Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, the Monday night edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am still, you're not going to believe it, the aforementioned Chase Thomas, powering through, just chugging water, chugging uh, fluids um, after a weekend away from potting and writing. I wrote this morning, feeling feeling good. I shouldn't say that. I don't feel good, but I'm doing it because, you know, potting is a way of life. And I am joined, as I am twice a week during this college football season, my good friend down there in Tequila, Georgia, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. Good to be back. Hope you're uh, hope you're feeling wetter, uh, feeling a little better. I know you're a little under the weather, so uh, mm. you know, show must go on, as they say. Also, a little wetter, as you uh, almost said there, because it is it has been raining all day, and I did take. It has been some rain. Mm-hmm. I meant to get out there and mow the lawn, but. Uh, can't do it can't do so do it. i yeah. it's it's very strange like that's where we're at in our life right like we're just like oh too wet the ground's too wet to go ahead and hit the hit the turf i can't even lie though i can't like i gotta give a shout out to bernie next door neighbor this old dude <laughs> oh. he's like 65 seven years old he's got a riding lawnmower so it's not like he's pushing it or i can't believe you're gonna tell this story out loud like, if i if i go two weeks like just whatever happens like i can't get out there he's just like hey you mind if i get over there i'm like hey bernie you go right ahead man he's mowed my grass multiple times for me so we've talked about like having him for over for dinner or something we gotta do something to thank him for sure but he's just like just super nice people so gotta give a shout out to him you're never Um, inviting this man over for dinner what are you talking about oh i without a doubt am no you're not you're a hermit i don't believe you i don't think you're gonna make that like like drink a beer with him you know like you know just like after he got done mowing one day like not there's times where i actually have mowed my grass not like he does it like every time but Mm -hmm. but yeah i so i can't even really complain because my my grass would be awful if it weren't for him this is just preposterous i can't believe this is your way of life i don't understand i got a pretty nice size yard too Mm -hmm. it's like it's pretty big so i need to get a riding lawnmower honestly and honestly it would probably just make it more fun to mow the lawn if i had a riding lawnmower but uh but yeah i don't know like the goal is eventually have a farmhouse and i don't know i don't think i mean i'll have to get a riding lawnmower at that point but i don't really I don't know. I don't. I like the whole pushing aspect to it. I like the the workout that it gives me. I feel you because I feel like I don't work out as much as I should. Get some sun, you know, work out some. But like, my yard probably takes me like two hours to mow. Like what? I, I could legit do it in like thirty minutes if I had a riding lawnmower. Like it's yeah. I mean, it's a nice big front yard, big backyard, and you got an edge and stuff too. I mean, it's a process, man. I'm not an edger. I hate edging. I'm I'm terrible with an edger. I don't actually have an edger. I just have like a weed whacker, like mm. weeder that I edge with. I honestly, I love the edging though. Get those crisp lines. Like no, 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 no. I agree with you. I like the feeling of it. I just am not good at the actual act of edging. I, I like oh, the I result. I don't like the act itself. I'm not that's good fair. at it. You no, know, practice makes perfect, you know? Uh, I mean, that's what they say. That's what they say. Man, we are old and washed. We just spent like two and a half minutes talking about different ways of cutting the grass and edging. <laughs> um... But yeah, that's that's where we're at. So there you go. Matt Green, did you know that people could follow you on Twitter at Matt underscore W underscore Green? We can follow myself at Chase Dumb underscore Thomas. Go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com today. 
Go check out all the great Blue Wire pods at bluewirepods.com. Uh, go to my newsletter. Wrote about John Wall, the Rockets today. Wrote about the Vols a little bit. So go to sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com and email us. If you have any college football questions you would like us to answer on either of our two shows this week, you can email us some questions at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you like listening to Matt and I, do this every single week. Leave us a five-star rating interview on Apple Podcasts if you are an Apple Podcast listener. Matt, the headline story of this weekend of college football is what for you, sir? For me, the headline story is that the powerhouses uh, don't look so powerful. Like through three weeks so far, obviously Clemson is a good loss to Georgia. It's a big-time team, but since, like the last couple of weeks, Clemson, especially against Georgia Tech this week, like the offense is just non-existent. I'm just not sure what to make of Clemson. Like I know Davo made that joke last year, like, oh, if we keep winning, we're going to be outside the top ten at this point. They just kept moving them down, but that was mainly because people were, you know, teams were performing better and they kept moving Clemson down the polls. But Clemson's winning, but it's just not impressive at all. And I think they're down not like nine in the polls. But along with that, Oklahoma, I, I was not impressed with versus a bad Nebraska team. And as well as Ohio State really, really messing around with, with was it Tulsa yesterday? And so I just, and even Alabama for that matter, like they look at least mortal. Like they're still like the number one team in the country, but they don't look at that, like they're at that invincible, invincible level that we've, we've grown accustomed to seeing Alabama at. So I think the college football playoff, I think we're in for some new blood this year because those those teams that we just count on being automatic locks uh, for to be the four playoff teams don't necessarily look like locks so far. I don't know if I agree with you there. I think we're still heading towards an Oklahoma, Ohio State, Bama at the bare minimum playoff grouping. I think those three are still in very, very good position, especially after Ohio State pulling the plug on Kerry Combs uh, calling the defense um this week uh there's still a lot of talent there i mean penn state we'll get to and they're in that conversation i was in that conversation but um i don't know i mean it's not like oklahoma lost yet bama didn't lose they're just struggling a little bit more and then the pac-12 huge we'll have to see what happens with oregon um clemson can win out and we still don't know and they struggle in their six-hour game against georgia tech but i do agree with you that no one looks no one looks unstoppable there's no like no team that's just firing on all cylinders across the board uh to this point and a lot of ap top 25 teams went down this weekend and a lot of movement fresno hopping in there just a lot of movement like i don't think anybody has a good feel for who who the top teams are and especially that tier two like who knows at this point because it's just it's it's wild right now well and i think of those kind of you know just preconceived just automatic college football playoff uh, invitees, if you will. Like, I think Clemson has looked the least impressive so far. Oklahoma, like, just with their conference, I don't really – I think they're they're the most likely, I think, to still get in the playoff because I just – like, they could, they could sleepwalk through this entire schedule and they're still better than any team they're going to face. But, but Ohio State, I think they should be – like, I think they've looked better than than Oklahoma or Clemson personally, but the Big Ten is just so much deeper than either of those conferences. Like with Iowa and Penn State, like I think Ohio State, I think is the is the biggest in jeopardy of of missing the playoff uh, just through the first three weeks. 
I mean, it's definitely there. Um, they get Penn State at home, though, which is nice. Um, but you know what's funny? Based on what we saw from Nebraska this week, like, <laughs> I mean, they got at Rutgers after Akron. Um, Maryland at home could be could be a danger zone because of what we've seen from Maryland thus far. Like, Little Tua is in the Heisman conversation. Um, like, this stretch will learn a lot about Ohio State, where they on October 2nd, they'll be at Rutgers. Then Maryland not, at home. He's not really in the Heisman conversation, though. Let's be honest. I mean, if he puts up, if Rutgers was what nine and three, Maryland. Yeah, if like if Maryland goes nine and three, or yeah, excuse me, Maryland. If they're around nine and three, and they're flirting with stuff, and he has like a big time breakout game against Penn State, Iowa, or or Ohio State. I mean, Little Two is putting up bonkers numbers, and they have a bunch of talent out wide. They got five star dudes he's throwing to. Oxy's got that offense clicking. Even, I think, yeah, yeah, and even more than like the the playoff being kind of up for grabs so far through three weeks, I feel like the Heisman, like there is absolutely no Heisman favorite. Like maybe Bryce Young, just because he's still the quarterback at Alabama and he's still like playing well. But there's really just there's I've been so unimpressed by so many of the early Heisman front runners like Spencer Rattler or DJ Uyunglele, like. I told you before the season, JT Daniels was a, would be a terrible bet for the Heisman. I just didn't see that at all. So, like, just so many of those top five, six, ten guys, none of them look like Heisman caliber players so far. I, mm-hmm. This is just really a, a wide open season, it feels like, so far. Yeah, I mean, like, let me read this full schedule to you because it seemed like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but based on our previews and where we were at, but Ohio State just looks so much more beatable defensively. We're like... Okay, this stri- this stretch after Akron, which Akron's a really bad group of five school, um, they're going to get blown out. So they go to Rutgers, then they get Maryland at home, they go to Indiana, then they get Penn State at home. Like, that's a brutal two-week stretch. I mean, really three-week with Maryland, too, now. At Nebraska, who look Is feisty. brutal? Maryland and Indiana? Maryland, really, Indiana, Penn State. you really think those teams are going to give Ohio State trouble, though? I think Maryland will absolutely. The offense is too good, and Ohio State's defense is too suspect at this point. I think Maryland's going to give Ohio State problems, yes. That's fair, but nobody's stopping Ohio State's offense either in the in the Big Ten. Uh, like, I, I disagree. Think. Penn State's defense is legit. Brent Pry. I think Penn State, I think that's the one team mm-hmm. so far. And Michigan State has looked solid. You know, yes. They went over Miami, but also, you know, Miami has not looked very impressive so far either Mm. it's it's so it's so hard to you know figure out which games to to you know put emphasis on or this early in the season because we just still don't know even auburn penn state like we just still don't know i still have so many questions about both of these teams absolutely um well let's get into the games that happened this weekend matt let's start with the game of the weekend florida versus alabama um my question to you, did Florida prove anything to you this weekend? Um, I would say they they had to have proved something. I'm still like Emory Jones. I what I'm the most surprised by obviously was Florida's ability to run the ball. Like that's where you have to the to take your hat off. Like this Alabama defense, you know, was getting a lot of hype like they're the best defense in the country. And and not trying to take away from Florida, but the way they just ran all over them, it's hard for me to call Alabama the best defense in the country. So I would say I was I was surprised by Florida's ability to run, but I was like almost more surprised that they were able to stay in the game without real any real production from Emory Jones. Like Emory Jones still didn't look anything amazing. And like, you know, when we see teams beat Bama through the years, it's like it's taken 
flawless quarterback play from some of these transcendent talents like Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence to knock off Alabama. Like Emory Jones just had a real game manager performance. Like, you know, he made the the one pick early. Um, but, you know, he didn't really wow you with anything he did. Um, he obviously ran the ball well. Florida as a team ran the ball well. But that's probably what, what shocked me the most was just, you know, how they were able to move the ball on the ground. Yeah, when you think best defenses, you think Georgia, you think A&M, you think Alabama. You know what you also think? The Tennessee Volunteers, who are number seven right now in yards per play among all <laughs> nobody, FBS teams. Nobody thinks that. The run defense is legit. Like, that's my favorite part about Tennessee-Florida this weekend is Florida has installed such a run-heavy scheme and they're so dominant through the through the ground. Wow. Guess who's... Wow. Who, did, sh- who, did they, who did they play this weekend? Tennessee Tech. People okay. forget. Uh, I mean, Tennessee people Tech. People do forget because no one watched that game. I mean, the Cookville... <laughs> Cookville, like, you, you just don't bring in Tennessee Tech on a random Saturday in, in September and expect to just just destroy them like it's that's tough sledding that's exactly for the ball exactly what you expect <laughs> bring in tennessee tech you give them their check and you run you hang 50 on them and you shake hands and uh and see them again in five ten years facts only tennessee number seven in the country in yards per play at this moment um would you like to guess who's number one george's number four for context uh george's number four uh i don't know it's i wouldn't say penn state because they've given up kind of a lot of yards they they're just, 18th okay uh who's number one Iowa State. Oh, okay. 3.4. And it's not even close. Like they're, they've only get, they're giving up less than 200 yards total a game through three games. There's only two teams that have done that to this point, Iowa State and Wisconsin. But here's the impressive part. Here's the impressive part between those two things. Iowa State has gone against 170 offensive plays. Wisconsin, only 89. Oh, wow. So Iowa State's defense, like there's a strong case that they're the best defense in college football to this point. But it's also just like, man, if you're an Iowa State fan, you're like, this this sucks. We have this all time great defense and Brock Purdy laid an egg against Iowa again, and we just can't get the Iowa monkey off our back. And I don't know, I, I would I would be very frustrated. But this also tells me Oklahoma Iowa State is absolutely up in the air. Like, or well, without uh, without going mm-hmm. too far though, I feel like I want you to get back to Florida and Alabama. And- mm. What, what what were your takeaways from this game? Because I know you were a lot higher on Emory Jones and this Florida team than I was. Do you think it was like not having Richardson available helped Emory? Um, that's possible. I just not I having him over, in the back of his mind where he's like, I if I start playing the back, poorly, the back handspring, mm-hmm. front flip, back flip, whatever he did, and then he's not available to play because of a injury, like. If if someone's hurt, like how are they doing backflips in pregame? Like I just that makes me think it was completely, you know, uh, strategical to mm. to only play Emory and not get Anthony Richardson in there. Which that kind of blew my mind because I'm thinking Anthony Richardson was at least at the very least going to be a change of ba- change of pace kind of guy, bring him on short yardage, just in running situations or something. I just thought that was very strange that. I would I, I think the the common common wisdom was that he wasn't playing due to injury but he's over here doing backflips like that was just kind of crazy to me. I mean it's just odd to see Alabama not be able to stop the run like this. And if you're an Alabama fan, you're terrified of Ole Miss now. You are horrified at what Ole Miss could do to you later this year. Like you you're you're, you're struggling to slow down Malik and Emery and and Pierce but like 
I don't know if you've seen what Matt Corral has been doing to this point and this old Miss offense is doing, but like, oh man. Um, I don't know. I just think that Florida showed a lot of resolve because when it was what, 21 to three at the end of the first quarter, um, I was just, I was joking with my family because I was on the phone with my mom, I think at the time and just like, oh man, this is already over. This is brutal. Um, and then Florida was like, no, we're going to keep fighting. And they just fought like Florida fought and fought and fought. And they were in this game. Like if they don't have the missed extra point, like does Florida win this game outright? And then you have just the horrible fourth and uh, the two point conversion play call like that. That was just that was heartbreaking. See, I don't know if I hate the play call. It seemed mm. like Emory Jones. Like it seemed like the handoff was there. Like the gap, like the hole seemed like it was there in the middle on that two point play and Emory just didn't know what to do. And so he's like, you know, do I go? Do you go? Why don't we just go together? Let's just both go <laughs> in the middle together. And that was obviously not the way to go. But especially because Anthony Richardson probably crosses the goal line on that play if he's in. Yeah, I think so. But I yeah, you had to be impressed with how Florida, you know, just didn't let this game out of hand get out of hand because it, like you said, it looked like they were gonna get absolutely murdered. Like Alabama just looked like typical Alabama, just come down and and score and then and then the pick on top of everything it was like just what everything that could have gone mm-hmm. wrong was going wrong early um you got to credit their their defense in the second half but i see a lot of people you know kind of giving florida's defense a lot of credit but i think it's the game plan from dan mullen that that allowed them to stay in this game because mm. in the second half alabama only had three possessions Mm. And they scored a touchdown, a field goal, and and then the 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 last drive where they're really just more running the clock and and then they punted it away. But the the second half possessions in this game, Florida ten plays touchdown, Alabama thirteen plays touchdown, Florida eleven plays touchdown, Alabama fourteen plays field goal. And if it weren't for the the false start on the goal line there, that may have been a touchdown too. That was a kind of a self inflicted error by Alabama. And then, and then Florida 12 plays touchdown. And it was just, I think that's kind of been Dan Mullen's, you know, best defense in these big games, like LSU in 2019 or Alabama SC championship last year is just kind of having the offense stay on the field for as long as possible. So what, what they did almost worked. And like you said, if it's not for the extra point, you know, this game might've at least gone overtime or, or who knows, maybe Florida goes for the win there at the end, but yeah, it's. Uh, I was definitely surprised by the outcome. I know you you took Florida to cover the spread, and um, oh, speaking out- of, we should go ahead and hit that because I know, I know, I know, I had a good weekend, right? I had to have had a good weekend. You did, but you you still did not best me, sir. Did I really so, not? Uh, so we tied against the spread. Okay, we were both six and five against the spread, but uh, overall, I was seven and four, and you were five and six. Was I really? Yeah, so you, you better. were early, but mm. I think then you missed, like, we both missed a lot of games late, so let me mm. see, just run through it, uh, like, you you were dead on on Florida-Alabama, Bama winning, but Florida uh, keeping it close, we both had Cincy, both had West Virginia, I was dead wrong on Colorado. I tried to just tell you getting, on this one. Just getting blanked mm-hmm. at home by Minnesota, uh, you took the Wolf Pack to go into the Little Apple, uh, yeah. tried to tell you Kansas State. <laughs> Um, and then you took Purdue. I took Notre Dame. We both took Mississippi State. That was mm. a miss. Uh, we both took Penn State. Didn't I say that on the podcast last week where I was like, this is the absolute Mike Leach game to lose is after this That's early true. hot start and then to just go on the road and bl- and just lay an egg at Memphis. 
I was so mad I didn't have the guts to take Memphis last week. Yeah, without a doubt. And uh, we both took Boise State. That was one of the more surprising mm. games to me. It was just really just, you know, how Boise State wasn't really able to get anything going offensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, you inexplicably took uh, went against your Cougs. Uh, and uh, that was Zeus' home dog of the uh, week. I'm telling you, home he's dog undefeated. Take it to the bank. BYU took care of business on their on their Pac-12 tour. That might be the last Pac-12 game of the year. They might have one more. Um, and then Fresno State. That's the one that shocked me. I was thinking UCLA was going to take the Pac-12 torch. They're mm. going to be a legitimate contender, and the uh, Fresno State Bulldogs had different plans. So you t- actually took UCLA to win, but Fresno to keep it close, and they won outright. So mm. still an improvement. Um, it's your first. Uh, it's your first winning record against the spread on the season, but you still you still have not had a winning record overall. Which is, uh, you know, I've had a winning record each week, not to toot my own horn or anything, but that's uh, what it is. You know, you're you're stretched too thin. You're doing so many things. College football, that's 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 my jam. You you got you got your hands in all kinds of different pots. Mm, we'll blame it on that. I'll run with that. That's fine with me. Um, I mean, I'm a college football expert after all. Hey, man, this is eventually like I'm excited because like for you, like this uh, like this spot, like you getting hey. If you're a college football site, Saturday Down South, whoever, and you're looking to add a college football expert, Matt Green, Matt underscore W underscore Green, reach out. He, the college for football expert on this podcast. Um, Cincinnati, as we talked about, beat Indiana, Michael Penix Jr. He's just not the same dude. Um, and I just, I wonder, was there, is it a problem that Cincinnati struggled a little bit earlier? before they figured stuff out and blew out or, or did you change your opinion on cincinnati at all it's hard to change your opinion necessarily because like like no one's picking them to go to the playoff right like they're a good some are uh i mean if you want to have the hottest of hot takes mm-hmm. you don't you don't honestly believe that well i mean issues. this year we just talked about the top of the show right like this is as open as it's been in a long time that's true but if Maybe if some of these teams, some of these conference champions are getting two losses, you can mm-hmm. start to talk about that. But even then, I just still wonder how the conference biases are going to work out. But Cincinnati, going on the road at a Big Ten team, like, that's always got to be a good win for them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they, they are Cincinnati. Like, as, as much as they want to, you know, claim to be a, a national championship contender, we're, we still have our reservations about that. I thought Indiana looked like clearly the better team in this game. I thought the uh, early on, I should say, I thought the the, the turning point was definitely the targeting that uh, that it was a third down stop uh, close to halftime. Indiana up 14-0. Their their team, their like defensive captain, middle linebacker uh, McFadden gets gets ejected on just an awful targeting too. I don't know if you saw this one. Mm-hmm. The Quarterback's getting sacked from behind, and he's kind of blocked. He's almost blocked, kind of pushed into the front of the quarterback, and then they hit face mask to face mask, and then they eject him for targeting. So not only is it a third down stop that you're up 14-0, about to get the ball back, your your best linebacker is ejected, and then Cincinnati comes in down and makes a 14-7 game before the half, and then it's completely different. So, And then I think they score again to make it 14-10. So I thought... Uh, 
I, I, Cincinnati just doesn't look like a legitimate like contender to me. But you know, going on the road at Indiana, it's it's still like by definition a good win for them. Okay, I'll I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Um, next up, West Virginia, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is who we thought they were, and West Virginia is who we who we thought they were at home, right? The steps we're taking right now. Yeah, without a doubt. I think uh, Virginia Tech. Like we weren't even that sold on West Virginia as much as we were just like it's at home, Morgantown. They just they play. They're just a different team at home, and and they tried to give it away late. Virginia Tech really made a a comeback, but West Virginia was gonna was able to get that goal line stand to uh to finish it off. But but yeah, uh, Burmeister. I just you know I just think he's limited. Virginia Tech. The ACC as on the whole, like I just don't know who the good teams are in this conference right now, and because Virginia Tech honestly is probably one of the third or fourth best team in this conference, and they still don't look impressive. So I I, I got to see a lot more from Virginia Tech moving forward. Um, let me pull up because isn't it? Yeah, okay, the Coastal Division right now. Do you know who's in the Coastal Macron? We have this running joke in this podcast of who's in whose conference or who's in whose division in the ACC. Um, I know North Carolina's in it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, shoot, I guess who else? Clemson play? Virginia's probably in it. Virginia Tech. Virginia's in it. Virginia Tech. Uh, Pittsburgh. Yep. I think that's all I got. I'm trying to name all the teams that I remember. Duke, Georgia Tech, and Miami. Who's okay. winning this division? Like this is Pitt just lost to a group of five school this weekend after beating Tennessee, of course, the week before. Um, North Carolina loses to open the season at, uh, on the road at Vatech. Vatech loses this weekend to West Virginia. Georgia Tech um, one and two lost at home to Northern Illinois. Loses to Clemson here. Clemson or Duke, we know, just awful. Virginia boat race by North Carolina. Miami one and two. Like the Coastal Division is just like on fire right now just uh, i think I it's think a tire North fire carolina's gotta still be the favorite like mm-hmm. they lost to virginia tech but like just looking at virginia tech like they're gonna drop another game in this mm-hmm. conference you know so i i'm really not sure but i i would if i had to bet i would still take the the preseason favorite of north carolina i would agree the offense is too good um Minnesota, speaking of good offense and bad offense, uh, they figured out some stuff offensively against Colorado, and Colorado's offense is historically awful. Yeah, seriously, they just this game was really wasn't even competitive. I um, I was really uh, really banking on that that hostile uh, Folsom Field crowd, but um, didn't get it. Which didn't Colorado was- punt was your favorite? <laughs> Probably the third one. No. Mm. Um, 21 carries for negative 19 yards in this game, mm. and they had 82 yards passing. They had 63 yards total. Minnesota, by comparison, had 441. I have never heard of a team <laughs> having 63 total yards in a football game. Like, 22 first ever. downs for, for Minnesota, six for Colorado. 40 minutes of time of possession for Minnesota. 19 for Colorado. The stats in this game are bonkers. Unbelievable. And uh, and yeah, like you said, they, they weren't playing Alabama. You know, this <laughs> isn't this isn't 2012 Alabama here. Like this is Minnesota. They're they're fine. They might be uh one of the better half teams of the of the Big 10. They might not be. They so for them to just go out and 
have 63 total yards. I've never heard of anything like that. Like that's just unbelievable. And that, and I want to know just like, obviously, you know, Haynes King got hurt in the Texas A&M Colorado game. So to bring in the backup quarterback on the fly like that, A&M was able still able to escape Colorado, but you know, I kind of wonder what that means for, for A&M moving forward. The fact that they beat this team 10 to seven, like, Colorado didn't have a pulse on Saturday. So I uh, I really don't know what that means moving forward. Absolutely. Um, Nevada, Kansas State. This score is deceiving. It was tied 17 all going into the fourth and then uh, three touchdowns, two by Will Howard. Um, just three straight drives. There were just eight plays, 75 yards, 11 plays, 62 yards, eight plays, 31 yards. And uh, that was the difference. They went by 21 against the Wolfpack. Carson Strong, big game for the Wolfpack. They come up just short against the backups. Um, Will Howard, like the Chris Kleiman, playing a different breed of ball out there in Manhattan in the Little Apple. Seven for 10 for Will Howard for 123 yards. 10 passes were thrown in and this. And that was kind of my logic. Like mm-hmm. they're losing Skylar Thompson. It was like, well, how much production do, do you really need to match with Skylar Thompson? Like he wasn't really setting the world on fire. And and you saw a quarterback just came in seven for 10, 123 yards. And, and with what they did on the ground, that was really enough. Notre Dame survives again. A, a very uh, rough 3-0 and Notre Dame squad, 27-13 over Purdue. I'm writing about this game tonight and tomorrow. Um, Kyle Hamilton's a dude. Jack Cohn sucks. He completed 50% of his passes here. Again, we saw a lot of Tyler Buckner in this game. I don't know how long it's going to take before he just gets the job outright. Um, I don't know. This was a weird, weird game, but uh, I don't know. It, it, it is interesting. And um, Brian Kelly matches Mr. Rockney for the most victories in program history. Uh, what do you make of Notre Dame surviving another one at home? Yeah, this is one of those games that, you know, you feel better after you win it, but, you know, it didn't feel good watching it. You know, like no no Notre Dame fan felt good about their team watching this game, but you feel better when you at least when you at least come away with a W. But um I will say uh I was you were you were picking Purdue on here. I felt confident about Notre Dame until the news came of them not allowing the world's <laughs> biggest drum. What mm. kind of Bush League garbage is that? <laughs> Purdue, like, they've played at Notre Dame plenty of times, and the drum always makes the trip. <laughs> I know they said something about the stadium being renovated and the tunnel wasn't big enough. I don't know. Some some sort of garbage. But I was honestly, like, low-key worried that that would be, like, a enough of, like, a battling cry. Like, they won't let our drum in here. Let's rally together and win this thing, you know, but... But that wasn't for that wasn't uh, the case, and I, I just found myself pulling for Purdue because I feel like that was some bush league type stuff. Hmm. Purdue's good though. I like the they pressured uh, Cone a lot. That caused a lot of those incompletions. But uh, Purdue showed a lot. They just don't have a quarterback, which is still a problem. And they were not able to run the ball with their their running back out with a broken leg. Um, Mississippi State Memphis. This game will be defined by the the kneel that was not called. Um, on the punt return or punt coverage rather and memphis picks it up and runs it back for a touchdown sealing a win there but what people are missing mississippi state was losing at this point like they were losing there's no guarantee they do anything um at this point they were down memphis was outplaying them the majority of this game but 
man, this is the Mike Leach classic. After really showing out uh, the first couple of weeks, you get you buy in. Like, maybe this could be a special season for Mississippi State. And then he's like, no, nah, I'm going to drop this one. And then he's just going to go beat LSU next week. Like, this is the Mike Leach special, just the, the topsy-turvy stuff. And um, big win for Ryan Silverfield in Memphis. But uh, what do you make of the blown call at the end and the SEC apologizing? <laughs> yeah, I didn't really understand it at the time because, you know, you've seen these kind of plays before, but, like, nobody touches the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, Mississippi State did touch the ball. So I, I didn't really understand at the time even what happened. And then on top of that... But like you said, like they weren't winning the game when that happened. Like that was a huge turning point. Like that was like five minutes left, and, but they were still down four when that happened. Mm-hmm. But um, but then on top of that, two number fours being on the field uh for minutes yeah. when it happened. So honestly, I love seeing you know tight players on offense, tight players on defense, rocking single digits. You know, it just looks cool, but. This is why it's kind of ridiculous. Like just to just have a one through duplicates of like one through twenty on like every roster. It's like I'm surprised that this doesn't happen more. Like I remember when when Georgia uh, when DeAndre Swift was a freshman, he would play special teams and he'd wear number seventeen, and they'd see him on the sideline pulling up his jersey and putting the number seventeen on over his pat. It's like what coach wants to go to all that effort just so it's like oh if you're gonna play both ways then we're not gonna have duplicates of that number pick another number it just it seems crazy to me but um it just it just sucks like that this this kind of thing always happens it's like a, a officials blow a game and then you release an official statement afterwards like oh everybody we blew the game sorry Nothing else is going to happen. Bro. Like, I wish you just wouldn't tell me you blew the game, right? Like, so I could just be, like, a salty fan. But, like, mm. now everyone knows you blew the game. You're admitting you blew the game. But we still lost. And, you know, that's it. Like, sorry. Let's keep on, keep on moving. That's just, it's unfortunate. You hate to, you hate for anyone to lose a game like that. How many passes would you guess Will Rogers threw in this game? Oh man, I saw it. It was he threw like eighty passes. Sixty-seven. This game didn't even go to overtime, and this man threw the ball sixty-seven times. Like, it does. Is Mike Leach aware that he's allowed <laughs> to hand the ball off, or is it is it just not even not even a thought? I mean, how many times are you going to beat Mike Leach? By the way, when you have twelve first downs total, they had twelve first downs, and they beat the, they beat the Bulldogs. Yeah, I think it comes from, uh, you, you think maybe time of possession if you're able to run the ball well, but Memphis wasn't even a ru- able to run They the lost ball. the time of possession battle too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a weird so game. It's, it's really uh, just kind of weird. Um, Auburn, Penn State, the the banger on Saturday Night Light. Uh, this, was, this was great. I enjoyed this top to bottom. Um, I think I, we were texting a little bit during this, but... Because Georgia, we we can combine Georgia, South Carolina in this as well with your team. But um, Auburn stays with it. A bad targeting call was involved in this game, knocking out McLean. Um, In the fourth, we had Sean Clifford taking some crazy shots, but Auburn was never really able to generate a pass rush in this game, which was a problem um, because we know what Clifford's like under pressure. But um, big plays, explosive plays when they needed to by the Penn State Nittany Lions. Their defense under Brent Pry is legit. Bo Nix just really, really awful at times, but not hitting the ball Tank Bigsby enough, I think, was a problem. The Auburn receiving core is not great, even with your old friend Demetrius Roberts in there. Um, and then that just horrible fourth 
fourth down call, the goal line fade. It never works. But these these coaches, like, were you getting some some uh, old memories, jog- jogging some memories with Mike Bobo on that fourth and fourth and goal play call for Bo Nix, where he just threw it up, hoping for a penalty? First of all, Bobo got way too much hate at from at Georgia from Georgia fans. Like mm. Georgia's offenses were like setting records under Bobo. He was a very good offensive coordinator for for Georgia. But uh, come on, Bobo. <laughs> but this is one of those games. Like I know we're supposed to come on here and draw conclusions from every game that happens, but like this game just felt like I had so many more questions afterwards. Like Sean Clifford played well, but like. He was efficient. He wasn't like, you know, they weren't really hitting like a bunch of deep balls or anything like like Bo Nix looked fine at times and he looked bad at other times. Like Tank Bigsby was was running well. But like, I just still have no idea how good either of these teams are. Like we could be seeing the best team in the Big Ten versus the fourth or fifth best team in the big in the SEC. But we could also be seeing like the fourth or fifth best team in the Big Ten versus like the tenth best team in the SEC. Like I have like no idea. Like it was an entertaining game, but I just have like no idea like really what to make of these teams moving forward. Like Penn State's defense looks solid, but they also give up a lot of yards. Like they've got they got stops when they needed to, but I just like it seemed like Auburn really just made the one huge mistake in this game, and that was that fumble to start the second half. And what did that put up about 21-10? I put Penn State up 21-10 after that. Mm-hmm. And that seemed like the the big mistake that, that that was kind of the turning point in this game. He also got bailed out. Bo Nick should have had a pick six in this game that the Penn State defender, I for, it wasn't Porter Jr., I forgot who it was, but ju- he did everything but return it to the house for six. Like he bubbled it for at least seven, seven yards before it fell to the ground. And Bo got bailed out big time there. Bo had a lot of bailout situations. Yeah, and then that throw to Demetrius Robertson in, mm. in the corner of the end zone. <laughs> it's just like, what, did he lose the ball? What happened? And then you see it, the ball, he's he's looking for it, and the ball's five yards behind him going out of bounds. It's just it's it's just hard to know what to expect. I feel like Bo Nix has the tools to be a good SEC quarterback, but, you know, now we're in year three, and this, you know, now you're learning a new offense and going on the road at Penn State, like, white alley this is one of the most hostile environments in all of college football so it's hard to just you know just shit on him after this performance but he just still leaves so much to be desired and it just it seems like he should be better than he is and at at some point we're gonna have to stop expecting him to be better than he is he just he just is what he is you know and so I don't want to just rip on Bo Nix but it just you know, it just feels like he's still not reaching his potential. And it's still early in his junior season, but I just, I don't know what to make of Auburn. I agree. I agree. Um, I think Auburn will be fine. I just, the Bo Nix stuff, I don't think it's getting any better. It's the same old Bo Nix. And I don't think uh, that development's happening. But Tank's big, Tank Bigsby is a is a dude. And Auburn needs to figure out their defensive line because they got to get pressure if they're going to stop these high-octane offenses in the SEC um, come SEC play. Um... Boise, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State walks in like I Oklahoma State is just a completely different program. They're like West Virginia on steroids, where it's just every game that they're in now is ugly and muddled. And it makes us hate them even more because they make every fun team look bad and look annoying. And Hank Bachmeyer struggled in this one. But Oklahoma State survives and uh, they just they're grinding, grind and pound and just make it all muck it all up. 
and uh, it's just a weird Cowboys era right now I, for Mike Gundy, I feel right? Like you have to be hating college football right now. There are so many teams right now that are winning games with their quarterbacks <laughs> going six six for ten for fifty. Yards I hate it. And having two hundred and fifty yards on the ground, like yeah, this is really just like an old school. Like I was just I was impressed that they were able to go in and just into Boise State. It's just like obviously they don't. They don't necessarily play the toughest competition at home, so I think that kind of warps their their home winning percentage. Spencer Sanders so threw people. 13 passes in this game for 82 yards. Yeah, seriously, but I think when you're able to run the ball the way they were, 57 carries for 246 yards, Jalen Warren with 32 for 218 and two touchdowns, like if you're able to run the ball like that and your defense is, is stopping the opponent, like they held Boise State to just 61 yards on 36 carries. Like if you're playing defense and running the ball, like, you know, why, why, why let your quarterback even have a chance to make a mistake? And that, that's, that's what it felt like with Oklahoma State. Just, just keep on, just trust the process. Keep chopping wood, as they say. And um, they were able to come out with a win. And I think just going into the Smurf turf and getting a win, I think it wasn't, it wasn't pretty by any means. But it's, it's definitely a good win for Oklahoma State. And hey, there's some Big 12 vibes here with the Boise and Memphis being the next in line for the Big 12. So we got a Big 12 preview when these two teams play, perhaps. Wait, Boise's not going to the Big 12. Yeah, Boise and Memphis are next in line. Dennis Dodd reported that last week. Oh, you're saying as in to add on to the four previous teams? Yes. Oh, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. I love it. I feel like that uh, honestly just that con- the geography doesn't mean anything at this point. Mm-hmm. Like. Keep adding the teams. Make the con- make the conference brand stronger. Absolutely. Um, who do we have left? Uh, Arizona State at BYU. I I went against my Cougs. Did you see the the deep ball by Jaron Hall? Um, the the reverse like it was like a weird reverse flea flicker situation early yeah, on in this game. The guy wide open in the end. Zone. Yes. Great stuff. Like BYU place was rocking. They did their own wide outs. Um, in Provo. Uh, front of the even, pod, Logan. Even wider, wide out. I was gonna. I didn't want to make that joke. <laughs> Logan Booker was in attendance. Friend of the pod, uh, up there in UGA. He was. He was there for this game. But um, I would love to get get out there for a game in Provo. But shout out to the Cougs, Jaron Hall, and this group. They're just. They're just good now. Like Zach Wilson or not, Jaron Hall's good. Different way. Different ways of being good. But um, BYU is a better team here. Arizona State's not not there and. Uh, Speaking of Pac-12 schools that aren't there, UCLA, same way. Fresno and BYU are just good. Like that's, I want to group them together in our conversation, right? Because BYU and Fresno, they're a group of five schools right now, but like they're they're legit. Sataki is legit, and Fresno's quarterback is an absolute dude. He's not a David Carr, not a Derek Carr. That man can spin it, and he fought so freaking hard. He deserved that win. UCLA, I don't think needs to hang their heads about that loss because that's a tough one in Arizona State losing to BYU on the road like I don't think that's a doom and gloom situation either Pac-12 and those schools I I, I don't think it's this I don't think it's a tragedy or not even a tragedy just like a huge upset or a huge problem or indictment right I mean I think you're right there Fresno State is like a quality program same with BYU even more so so I like BYU I, I mean I think they should have been favored to to beat Arizona State but 
I think it's just, it, it, it feels like such a missed opportunity for UCLA. Like, it's not like an indictment on your whole program that you're going to be terrible now because you lost to Fresno. But it's like, this looked like the year. Like, you just beat LSU. Like, this looked like the year that you might can make a run to the Pac-12. And shoot, if you win the Pac-12 with one loss maybe this year, that could be a playoff team. And, you know, they still do only have one loss. But to come to Fresno, for the loss to be to Fresno here in week three, it feels like, it feels like the, the train was just about to leave the station. And then, you know... Obviously, I don't know any good train analogy. <laughs> it busts a flat tire. I don't know if that applies to trains, but it uh, it just it's just a real buzzkill more than anything else because like this looked like it could have been a legitimate UCLA team to to make some legitimate noise this year, and and to lose to a team like Fresno, I just feel like that's just not a good sign. I don't know Fresno. Like Jake Hayner went thirty nine of fifty three, four hundred fifty five yards to the air. They just went off. And I mean, UCLA's defense obviously did not have a good day here, but I don't know, man. Hayner has been good all year. And that's kind of like the body blow thing of having Fresno and LSU early on your calendar for UCLA. It's tough. And uh, I think UCLA, I mean, uh, Fresno is just better than a lot of people think. And um, it came down to a late uh, late touchdown by Fresno, but now UCLA gets a chance to bounce back next week. So I think they have what, Stanford this upcoming week? And that should be should be good. And they should be able to Right the ship there if they're legit because Stanford looks better than expected with Tanner McKee, the 37 year old. Um, so we'll we'll see. And now and at Stanford too, mm-hmm. it's like with what they did to USC and now UCLA dropping one. Like I'm not sure what to expect out of that game. So I felt like I said on the pod last week, like I felt like UCLA was about to establish themselves as kind of the class of the Pac-12. And that's why that's what I mean more than it, like just being a missed opportunity. Like it's not an indictment on your program, but this is just this was a chance for UCLA to be nationally relevant. And I think now it's just we're still going to wait on that. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's run through the remainders of our games. You had Georgia, South Carolina. Shane Beamer just laughing about uh, what he was up against and all the five stars on Georgia's defensive line and why uh it was difficult to block them is because they're all good shane beamer very likable i came across liking shane beamer a lot he's a good sport about it because he is in for a rough 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 several years against the dogs i think um i texted you mm -hmm. sorry go ahead and i texted you when stetson bennett went in because that just cracked me up um on the other tv just being like oh kirby can't help himself he just threw it in for me just for stetson to get a get an int when jt's cooking your uh, your offensive player of the week i think he uh he earned he earned our series so Mm. i think honestly it spoke more to kirby probably just didn't respect south carolina's ability to challenge them in any way so it's like yeah it was you know, two two scoring drives by JT Daniels, and then it was weird to see Stetson in that early. But you know, it's like it was interception. They return inside the twenty yard line, and they get three points out of it. I think they just had no ability to really move Georgia off the line of scrimmage. And I think, like most Georgia fans, like Georgia, you have to be worried about how poor Clemson has looked since the Georgia win. But I think watching watching Florida and Alabama play on Saturday, I came away thinking Georgia is the best team in the SEC. That was, I think they looked the most complete defensively and offensively. Like I don't, I'm not going to say they have a better offense than Alabama. They might not even have a better offense in Florida. I think it's possible they could. 
But I think this defense is just rowdy. Like I just this, they just creating turnovers, getting sacks. Like there's they're just everywhere. These Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis up front, like they just abs- they're absolutely unblockable. And I just if you can't block two defensive linemen at all, like I don't know how you're going to score points on them. Like I um I don't see many teams scoring points. And like honestly, I think Stetson Bennett at quarterback, this team could probably go undefeated in the regular season. Like I don't even think it matters because I don't think anyone is going to touch 20 points against this defense. Like I don't know how many teams are going to score a touchdown on this defense. They just they look absolutely dominant so far. And as good as Georgia's defense always is, I don't think I've ever seen a Georgia defense this good that can just consistently get after the pass uh, after the passer like like this one does. Tennessee's going to score points. Like we're going to give like we're going to lose like 49 to to 35, but we're scoring points. Oh, 35? You think Tennessee's scoring 35 on this Georgia defense? There's I do. no way. I do. I, I don't. I don't. You can bet against hype all you want. It's fifty six. What is his get what, to this point? What are what is Tennessee? I don't up? think anyone in the SEC East is scoring twenty points on Georgia. Oh, you're right. like Tennessee is absolutely doing that. The 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 tempo alone and how many possessions we're going to get and how many deep shots he's going to take. Yes. You think Tim? You think Tennessee's offense is better than? We scored thirty eight, forty one, fifty six to this point. Better, they might be better than Clemson. I don't even know. Like Hendon Hooker changing things. We'll we'll see. What do they? What, how many points do they score against Pittsburgh? Forty one, or thirty four. Excuse me. And Pittsburgh just lost to Western Michigan, so they're mm-hmm. clearly a quality team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, we, we we I don't know. I'm we just beat them up. Georgia won't be able to block, or Tennessee won't be able to block Georgia's defensive line. That, oh, I don't yeah, disagree, but that's long, why we have a run, like two running quarterback options for that game. That's what November or something. It is November thirteenth. Are you coming up for that game? I don't know. We might have to. Well, you have a place to stay. You have a place to crash. You want to come out for this game? That's uh, that's good to know. We can do an in person pod. Oh man, that'd be good. Um, man, that's rough though. We have. Oh my goodness. Okay, so we have Ole Miss at Alabama at Kentucky, Georgia over a four week stretch. Yeah, that's uh, that's not looking good. I mean this this Mizzou game. Uh, the following week at noon might decide if we go to bowling this fall. I'm a believer in Heupel and his offense, like for the future. But in 2021, they're not they're not coming anywhere close to Georgia. I'll tell you that right. I'm now. not saying they're winning the game. They're not going to beat Georgia, but they are going to put up 49 35. That's like that's super respectable. I don't see it. I see it going pretty similar to the South Carolina game. Just no. The offense is way more competent here. No, no, no. Poor South Carolina, hey, though. South Carolina receivers, though, they were snagging. Like They were snagging. <laughs> they were. They were making some plays on the ball, and mm-hmm. especially that one-handed catch that, that one receiver made. But uh, that was really the only weakness, I think, was Georgia giving up some big plays uh, through the air. But other than that, they looked pretty dominant. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break for a message from our sponsors, but then we have a couple other quick hitter topics, and then our add a sticker, remove a sticker portion of – the weekend we'll be right back all right we are back on the chase thomas podcast where i'm still you guessed it chase thomas and i am joined as i am twice a week on this program by the esteemed matt green you can follow him at matt underscore w underscore green on twitter.com matt 
OSU's DC, we talked about their defense a little bit earlier. He did not call the plays. It was revealed by Ryan Day after the game. Um, what do you make of Coombs already being pulled? Well, I thought definitely something needed to change uh, with this Ohio State defense. But, I mean, you know, are you encouraged with how they kind of messed around with with Tulsa? Like, Tulsa had over 500 yards of offense in this game. And this was this was a game into the fourth quarter. What was it? And this was like a what was it, like 27-20 in the fourth quarter or so. So I'm just not really sure what to make of Ohio State. I think we all just kind of assume C.J. Stroud and this offense is just going to pick up where just Justin Fields left off. But but clearly you don't just replace a quarterback like Justin Fields that easily and not miss a beat. So I, I was impressed with Travion Henderson. I think they said he broke uh, Archie Griffin's freshman rushing single game rushing. Uh, total with 277 yards and three touchdowns but you know uh, they they did they did stop the run better in this game just 73 yards on the ground for Tulsa but you know still had over 500 yards of offense and for this to be a game in the fourth quarter I don't know it might be too early to press panic mode on uh on Ohio State but it's this team is not looking nearly as good as we thought when the season started Speaking of Ohio State, Northern Illinois coach, Mr. Hammock, said after their beatdown against Michigan that Michigan was built to beat Ohio State. Oh, my goodness. How many years are we doing this with Harbaugh in Ohio State? Why are, why are people talking themselves into this again? Michigan's not beating Ohio State. Why are we doing this? I mean, to be fair, teams have run until Tulsa. Teams have run all over Ohio State. Like Minnesota and Oregon both ran all over Ohio State. And Michigan is going to try to do that same thing. So, you know, maybe that's that's the logic of Michigan's offensive line versus Ohio State's defensive line. But but yeah, I I tend to I tend to think Ohio State just kind of does this and they're they're not at full, you know, full capacity in the first month of the season, but by the time November rolls around and they're playing those big games in the Big 10 like and they get up for Michigan, it seems like they, they tend to take care of business down the stretch. Yeah. Um, last news item, Mel Tucker on his win at Miami. Quote, we wanted to drag them into the deep water. I love this. Mel Tucker, Michigan State's good. Are they the third best team in the Big Ten? Second best, maybe? Um, I think you got to say, I mean, who are you saying is the best in the Big Ten? Iowa? Or are you still saying Ohio State's the best? I'm still saying Ohio State. I think you got to put Iowa in front of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I maybe even Penn State, maybe Wisconsin, but Michigan State, yeah, they're definitely getting into that conversation. They're they're able to run the ball very well, and I just I don't want to make too big of a deal about the win over Miami because it seems like this is like a weekly occurrence uh, discussing someone's win over Miami and and propping them up there. So. I still need to see more, but um, you got to like the direction that Michigan State's headed. He yeah. sounded more like uh, was it Dan Campbell. That sounded more like a Dan Campbell uh, Detroit Lions head coach. Well, they're both Michigan. Maybe maybe he's talked to him. I mean, hey, I respect it. Mel Tucker, he's flipping that program rather quickly. Bunch of transfers. No Rocky Lombardi under center. Peyton Thorne's good. Uh, they're running back. Legit. Legit. Um, that Kirby Smart coaching tree, man. We got Sam Pittman. We got Mel Tucker making some noise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows? Okay. 
Um, add a sticker, remove a sticker. Ads for us. Hendon Hooker, George's defense. Hold Shane, on, hold on. Um, we're, we're giving Hendon Hooker a helmet sticker for his performance against Tennessee Tech. Is 17 for doing? 25, three TDs, had an amazing spin move touchdown. Found if he, if he does that against Florida, I'll give him a helmet sticker. This seems premature. No, he stepped in in a harsh environment. Nealon wasn't as packed as it normally is for this rainy FCS game, but he didn't let that distract him. Hendon Hooker did what he was supposed to do. He went in there as a vet. He got the job done. Sticker for Hooker. Okay, I'll allow it. I'll, I'll allow your your Tennessee homerism to to get in the in the pod. Georgia's defense, Shane Beamer for being a good sport. Um, so, so what is the Shane Beamer helmet sticker for? I just like that he he's the antithesis of Will Muschamp, right? Like he is such a breath of fresh air. Where like I just like people who are um, who live in reality, Matt Green, who are just like you know, what did you want us to do? Did you see that front seven? Did you see it? Like, Lou Doty was dying back there. We ran for, like, seven yards. Like, what are you talking about? Like, how am I supposed to answer this question? Like, um, what, what do you think you struggled uh, against Georgia? Like, I, I can tell you. They have five stars everywhere. What do you mean? It's not a fair fight. Like, this was not a fair fight. And, I, thought, uh, I thought that was a great soundbite. Yeah. But in terms of the game, I think Shane Beamer deserves a little bit of blame with how mm. the game got away. Like, it was 21-6 with like 30 seconds left in the first half and Georgia pinned him on the one yard line and he decides to, what are they, they going to do? Get some points before the half, like go 99 yards in 30 seconds. Instead they get sacked for a safety, kick it away. Georgia's able to get into field goal range. Georgia stole five points before halftime. Like South Carolina and Shane Beamer should have been absolutely thrilled with a 21 to six halftime deficit. Like we're down two touchdowns. We've gotten basically dominated. And instead it was 26 to six. You lost any sort of momentum you had. Like, I feel like that was a terrible coaching decision. Not that that really made the difference. I don't think they're beating Georgia anyway, but I thought it was just a, it was a bad call. Mm. Um, Sean Clifford and Jude Kelly make, make so, the job. Yeah. Sean Clifford, I had to give, uh helmet sticker too for his performance against Auburn. He's he seems like a guy who's just people just love to hate on because he's he's nothing really special, but I thought his performance against Auburn in a in a huge game, huge atmosphere, had to had to uh take my hat off. But Jude Kelly for Georgia Tech, are you aware do you know who this is? No. This isn't even their kicker. This is I guess their kickoff specialist or maybe just the onside kick specialist the most perfect onside kick i think i have ever seen in my Mm. entire life this thing just it took that perfect (laughs) hop that you want to see and georgia tech was able to recover the onside kick on the sideline and and nearly upset clemson that was um that would have been a huge huge program changing win for for jeff collins and you know maybe maybe you know losing to clemson by eight is enough to start to convince some people that he's he's got Georgia Tech moving in the right direction. There you go. Um, losers, removing a sticker. We're, we're ripping the sticker off. The officials in the Mississippi State game, the officials in the Indiana-Cincinnati game, um, a combination of Bobo and Bo Nix, Manny Diaz and Mike Norvell. Oof, what a oof. And then you have Oklahoma. I, I, I don't understand this Oklahoma situation there 
Man, Nebraska's terrible. Nebraska is an awful team. And I feel like I was just told all offseason, like, no, Oklahoma, we're different now. We like we play defense and we have that same explosive offense. I feel like we just anointed Spencer Rattler, the next Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and now they have a defense. So now this team's a legit number one team in the country. And I don't see it. I don't see Oklahoma looking any different than they've looked in the past. I feel like this is just going to be the same old, same old for Oklahoma. And yeah, they might get in the playoff again, but they're not beating anyone. I feel like they're just, they're probably going to run through the the big 12. The that's just not an impressive conference. And I just, I thought it was an indictment. Like I gotta, I gotta hype up their, their safety. What was it? DJ Graham for one of the most amazing interceptions I've ever seen in my entire life. But that was about the only bright spot for Oklahoma. Like I thought, for 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 Nebraska to be able to keep this that this game this close in Norman is an absolute indictment on Oklahoma. Like we've seen this Nebraska team play Illinois. Like we've seen them play who whoever they played. Like they they're just not a good team. And for for Oklahoma to struggle with them the way they did, I just this does not look like a national championship type team. I would agree. I would agree, but we'll see. They have an easy schedule. Like them and Clemson aren't going to really have to hurt themselves um, to not make a make a run. I think Manny Diaz and Mike Norvell. I, I think Manny Diaz is in a lot more trouble than Norvell. Um, Florida State cannot play pay three coaches over the next year and a half, two years. They can't do that. They can't afford it. Um, Manny so, Diaz probably not so the guy. To say mm-hmm. Oklahoma does slip up and lose one game. And it comes down to a Clemson or Oklahoma for the fourth spot in the playoff. Like, who do you think gets that? Clemson. Just based on history. Like, you think that's what it is? I think the Big Tw- Oklahoma schedule will be better, and so they might have a chance for one or two more better-looking wins. But I just, I, I'm, that's what's shocked me so much is just seeing Oklahoma and Clemson so far just not look like the teams we thought they were going to be. Still early though, only a couple weeks into the season. Figure they like the cool thing about those two programs. They have two five-star quarterbacks that aren't playing well yet, and they're still undefeated. Or uh, Clemson has one loss, and uh, Oklahoma still undefeated. So like, I don't know. I, I we still at least seen Spencer Rattler look good at the college mm-hmm. level. Like DJ Uyunglele, like he had his game versus Boston College last year, but like. Like we still haven't seen him be the guy in this offense, and I'm just I'm starting to wor- wonder if he is even that guy. Like, I mean, people are ready to give this guy, ready to say this guy's the number one pick of the 2023 draft before he ever started a game this season. So I'm uh I'm really curious to see how this shakes out. I th- I just think Clemson's going to struggle with just with doing anything that's going to impress the committee because they have zero ranked teams on this entire schedule. At least Oklahoma, you know, maybe Iowa State, maybe Oklahoma State is a little better. Like, they got something. The the Red River rivalry will always make a big deal about a win over Texas. So, I don't know. I'm really curious to see how this pay, plans, uh, plays out. But, this, yeah, like, we, like we've already said, this, this season seems wide open. Yeah. Friday Night Lights, I took the weekend off. I wasn't feeling well. So, I did not see the Oak Ridge Wildcats, Matt Green, go on the road and went in a tough hostile environment at Lenore City on Friday night. Were you able to yeah, get some yeah. Friday Night Lights action? 
I did not, but we had. I should have. I should have gone to this one. It was uh, the Battle of Decula. Mm. Mountain, Mountain View came came uh, to the the Falcon's Nest, as uh, they're calling it these days. And um, Mountain View came on the road and got the win. Okay. Decula was actually rocking gold jerseys. Never seen that before. I uh, they have in the past. Not a fan. I think oh. they stick with those navy jerseys, gold helmets. That's their that's their look. That's Decula football right there. Oh, but, uh, but yeah, Mountain View got the dub. You are the uniform uniform guy. I am the uniform guy for sure. And I had a conversation with a random person over this weekend that was like, "Did you see those Iowa State uniforms?" In it? I was like, "Yes, I've been telling everybody this. What is Iowa State doing with these black uniforms?" It made me happy that someone else noticed. I'm not the only uh, weirdo that's noticing people's uniforms. <laughs> No, you're not alone. You're not alone. There's a whole thing called Uni Watch. People, people are into it. Um, there's yeah. a lot of, a lot of people like that. Um, Matt Green, that's all I've got tonight. Do you have anything else you'd like to plug before we do our our preview show in a couple of days? Uh, that's all I got, man. Just uh, can't wait for for week four. Week four. It's gonna be here before you know it. Um, don't forget, folks, you can support this program by going to chasehomespodcast.com, uh, leaving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button on Apple if you are an Apple Podcast listener. Uh, go subscribe and type in your email at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. And then, you know, follow Matt, the college football expert, on twitter.com by going to Matt underscore W underscore Green. Follow myself at Chase double underscore thomas and email us at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com matt can i I get one more thing in here oh yeah absolutely you heard where game day is going to be this week right i did not well you know notre dame and wisconsin those are cool places to play football games right Mm -hmm. but no we're playing in soldier field oh no they're not doing that are they really they are going to Chicago. I thought they should have gone to a, a different neutral site. I think they were playing neutral site, A&M in Arkansas. I think I believe they're playing in Jerry World. Mm. I could be wrong about that. I was thinking they were going to go to that one. But, uh, yeah, they'll be at Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Chicago, Soldier Field. That sucks. It really does. <laughs> like, Notre Dame, it's like an epic, like, home field. Like, Wisconsin does their whole jump around, has that, has that cool environment. But no, Soldier Field is where they decided to play this game. So why not do Stanford for UCLA at Stanford? Or um, honestly, if UCLA hadn't lost, that probably would have been a candidate. Ooh, Rutgers at Michigan could have been an option. Iowa State at Baylor. Oh, NC State, Clemson at NC State. No, none of those are options. (laughs) None of those are better options than this. I would say Arkansas A and M. Those are both undefeated teams. Like. And it's like Arkansas is finally relevant. I feel like when teams kind of jump, burst back on the scene, they seem they seem to want to post game day at different sites. Which obviously, I guess Chicago Soldier Field is a different site, but that's because it's an NFL stadium, and we don't play college football there. But you know, that's what grinds my gears. I'll uh, I'll leave it alone. Mm. All right, Matt Green. That's all I've got. Thank you as always. And I will talk to you in a couple of days. Yes, sir. All right. Hello. Welcome back. As the Monday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast rolls along, 
I am joined, as I am every Monday night on this very program, my good friend of 49ers Hub, it's Mr. Evan Swords, who gets the, the benefit of a Monday Night Football game ending around 8 o'clock his time, while it's 11.30 my time. It's just, it's amazing how easy and how uh, how much the sports calendar makes it easy for you folks on the West Coast. I, I very much envy it. Yeah, I was talking about it on Twitter yesterday, and I was like, I just can't imagine, as we were watching Sunday Night Football, I was like, I cannot imagine waiting till 11.30 at night for a game to end. I, I don't know how... Anybody on the East Coast does it. It's insane. To be fair, also, Evan was complaining about a late start. I think it was last week on this very podcast. When I am three hours ahead of him and do a bunch of post stuff and everything, giving me, give me, give me grief about an 830 yeah. ending for him. I don't want to hear it, though. <laughs> it's, a, it's a matter of perspective, though, right? Your mm-hmm. ass is a night owl. You stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning doing your things. Mm-hmm. I want to be in bed by, like, 10. Mm-hmm. What time no, do you get up? I, you have you have all of your old man stuff. Like mm. that's my old man thing. Like I like to be in bed, and I like to go to bed early because I wake up at six thirty a.m. Okay, and that's honestly only because of like working remote because of COVID. Now, like before, I would wake up at five a.m. Oh god. Oh man, I can't I can't be doing that. Um, what? What do you do first? Like, I have two questions actually with this. Do you, are you a person who needs sound to sleep? Like when you go to bed at 1030, is it just natural? Is it easy? Or do you need like something in the background? And also, what do you do first thing in the morning? What, what are you doing at 5am? What, what's up well, at 5am? Well, you have to remember I am, uh, so I have like aggressive anxiety, mm-hmm. right? Um, in general. So like first and foremost, I think people with really bad anxiety can't really sleep in. Um, I don't know about you, but like, I don't know if I've ever slept in like past nine o'clock in the morning, even like I could go to bed, like I could drink and just get hammered going out partying with friends, wait, like go to bed at like 4am and I would still wake up at 7am. Like it just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Your biological Um, clock is just very fine tuned. Yeah. It's locked in. Um, but yeah, for me, you know, I take a sleeping pill every night cause I have trouble going to sleep and I have for years. So you know, that kind of forces me to go to sleep, but I'm pretty specific. You know, I use like the, the calm app to do like sleep stories. So I'll have like some guy, you know, some guy with like an aggressively French accent <laughs> whispering into my ear about some train or something. I don't know. What? Um, some train? What are you talking about? What, what train the, is he talking the, about? The calm app has like a lot of therapy. Mm-hmm. What's it called? A lot, a lot of meditation stuff, a lot of yeah. sleep stories, like music, whatever. And there's, for whatever reason, there's a lot of train stories. <laughs> I don't like. I can tell you, I've I've used that app a lot. Uh, shout out to Calm, um, and I don't think I've ever heard a single word be said because I just turn it down so low to like a whisper of hearing something in the background, uh, and that's it. The sports renaissance woman has switched it up. Like I've fallen asleep to to uh, rested development for for going on eight years now. And the reason I played that is because I've seen every episode now like a trillion times that my brain just associates it with sleep. And I, I could not like every word of every episode, seasons one through three, I think I could re recite by memory. Um, so like it just it puts me to sleep like I'm out within like 20 minutes. But like we, we flipped it up, uh, flipped the flipped the switch a little bit lately. And uh it's 30 rock and I, I like 30 rock 30 rock's a good show but i haven't seen it enough to like tune it out 
<laughs> so I fought back and I'm like, Arrested Development's back. I can't I can't do this. Like waiting for her to go to sleep and then it's uh, it's back to Arrested Development because I, I can't do it. Yeah, it is funny how that works. Like your body just gets trained. I can't sleep in silence. Like I tried, I forgot where I was staying. Um, I think I was in, in on vacation this summer and I just, I had to pull my phone out cause I, I was just staring at the ceiling for 40 minutes and I just fell asleep and let my phone die overnight playing Arrested Development on my, on my phone. Like I, I, I tried and I can't do it. Yeah. I have a, I have like an air conditioning unit in my room and mm. that thing is like louder than like 17, like jet engines. Mm. So usually that's enough. Uh, that's enough white noise if you will. Okay, there you go. Uh, which naturally, Evan Swords, it leads us to our time, our team. It's our opening segment on this on this program every week. Um, I love so much how you just like lie to these people. And you're like, well, naturally, that transition like it has nothing to do with anything that you're about to talk to. We could be talking about like endangered white rhinos, and you're like, naturally, mm. football. Hold on. White Rhinos and the Tennessee Titans' lack of play action go hand in hand. You know this. Everyone knows this. Honestly, that's my bad. Because I know that you, everyone knows that. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift, Evan. Maybe it's just like growing up. I'm going to make talk hoops. Shout out to Zach Harper. Feel old here. Maybe just growing up in uh, late high school, early college, listening to the I Am Basketball podcast, that he, I, I just got conditioned to those kinds of transitions and was just like... Mm, that's how you do it. Absolutely. I don't know. I got pre-programmed. Um, but like I said, our time, our team, the Falcons had another bye this week. I'm excited for their opening game whenever that may be. Um, your team, though, 2-0. You beat the Philadelphia Eagles, who also were coming off a week one bye. Um, what do you make of your team after after the start and just this uh, this bloodbath NFC West. Oh man, I've well, this has been a an interesting um, past twenty four hours. Mm. Uh, as a 49ers fan, you know the 49ers go to two and zero. Obviously, it is good in, in any NFL to be two and zero after the second week. The Eagles, a lot better than I thought. I don't know. Did you watch any of that game? I did not. I watched them last week, and I told you I was like, the Eagles are not bad. They're, the Eagles' uh, defensive line is thoroughly impressive. Well, they so, just lost Brandon Graham for the year, which is a major blow for them. Did he get hurt yeah. in this game, or was he out before? Well, he's not out for the Eagles. Year, ended up winning. So he he, uh, he definitely has a, a torn pec, I believe it what it was, but it's not mm. season ending. They don't. Okay. Um, but yeah, so you know the 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 49ers had the lo- the second lowest yards per average run rushing uh, attack in the Kyle Shanahan era against this Eagles defense. So, you know, early on, um, Kyle Shanahan either saw this in the film uh, from the week before or, you know, figured it out pretty quickly. But uh, he absolutely was not not trying to let Jimmy, you know, drop back a bunch and throw the ball. Um, they were trying to get the ball out as fast as possible. George Kittle essentially played, uh, you know, extra, t- extra um, offensive linemen. I mean, he was uh, four targets for one of the most electric, you know, electric uh, position players in the NFL. Um, he played basically as an extra lineman. Um, and, you know, the 49ers won. Uh, Jimmy looked good at some times, looked bad at other times. Uh, you know, it's <clears throat> the way I took it when I left the game 
and I tweeted this, as I said, 49ers are 2-0. Very excited that they're 2-0. I have some serious concerns about uh, the idea of them competing for a Super Bowl. Uh, It was, you know, it's really interesting. So many thoughts run through my mind, but like, (laughs) first and foremost, five running backs injured, Mm. right? Uh, Elijah Mitchell got a stinger. Jamichael Hasty, uh, he got injured too. Um, Trey Sermon, who his first rushing his first rushing attempt attempt after those two running backs got injured, gets one of the most brutal hits. He gets hit in the head and neck twice going down. Gets a concussion. Just an absolute brutal day for injuries again. Now mm-hmm. the running, the 49ers are down to, you know, five starting running backs are injured. Um, you know, Debo Samuel, uh, you know, some positive news. Debo Samuel leaves the, leads the NFL in receiving yards. I don't know about you, by the way, but I physically cannot speak tonight. I am stuttering and mumbling all over the place. Uh, Debo looked amazing, though. Absolutely surprising, considering we really went into the offseason thinking that Brandon Ayuk was going to be the guy, be the number one wide receiver. And then here we are, and Brandon Ayuk, I don't think, has a catch yet. Uh, he just got, like, his first target yesterday. And Baby steps. Debo Samuel leads the NFL in receiving yards. That's wild. I mean, I, I imagine you felt the same way playing this Philadelphia team where it's like, they're, it's weird that Nick Sirianni has this team so well coached. They're just smart and they don't kill themselves. They don't hurt themselves. They don't do, they don't do dumb shit. Like Jalen Hurts only was 12 of 23, 190, no TDs, no picks, but he also ran 10 times, 82 yards, 8.2 yards per carry. Um, they're just smart. They targeted Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager combined 12 times. It didn't do anything, but like he, uh, I don't know. I just, they, they don't hurt themselves. They, they're not explosive. They don't have the explosion yet. And Jalen Hurts is not going to be the, the gunner that we're seeing everywhere else. But like, he's always going to keep them in the game. Like, I don't see I, the Eagles getting blown out very often. I don't, they're just too well, they're too smart and they want to dominate possessions. They, they're just, Jalen Hurts is a quality, quality quarterback who is not uh, going to let the, the, the wheels so come I, off. I would imagine you didn't watch the game. That's fine. Um, they really weren't playing safe at all. Mm. I, they were ta- they were taking shots. Uh, they were going for it on fourth down. They went, you know, they, they, they went for it twice on fourth down. Um, they didn't get it both times. Uh, well, actually, they got it one, one of them converted. Um, honestly, I was really impressed with the coach. The coach was – Taking shots, he had balls. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much so, not safe at all. Uh, well, no, I'm not saying safe. That's not, I mean, that's just being like that's a that's part of football now. Most coaches are going for it at this point. When I mean, outside the Mike McCarthy's of the world, the majority of coaches are doing that. It's safe in the terms of like Jalen Hurts doesn't like he's never gonna have. He's not Jameis Winston out there. He's not Justin Herbert. He's not Carson Wentz. He's not. Um, I don't know. He's just not a gunner. He's just someone that is going, he prioritizes taking care of the ball and being smart with the football. Yeah. I, Jalen Hurts honestly was really impressive. The Eagles in general were really impressive to me for a team that I had no um, faith in. I, I wasn't. Very Do we need to recalibrate what we think of the Eagles? We were pretty down on them preseason. I was very down on them in the preseason. I will say this. Their defense is very impressive. Um, the, 
you know, this is an ongoing theme, but the 49ers have, I think, the best safety tandem in the NFL. Mm. I genuinely believe that. Like, No love for Deron Harmon and Eric Harris. Ja- Jaquaski Tart literally shut that team down. Nobody probably – I mean, like – if you ask any NFL player, you know NFL fan who Jaquaski Tart is, no one knows who he is. Mm-hmm. Every 49ers fan obviously knows who he is. He was literally one of the. I mean, he was one of the best defensive players on the field in any football game yesterday. No one knew who he was. Jimmy Ward, who at times has played corner for us, even though he's supposed to play as a safety, you know he got drafted to play this kind of hybrid role. You know he finally locked into the safety position. Jimmy Ward, literally. I mean, like he pushed the the he pushed the receiver out of bounds because of his defense. It saved a touchdown. Literally, it saved the game. Jaquaski Tart, same thing. Like these are like the most impressive safety tandem in the NFL. No one has anybody any clue who they are. Everyone knows who Jamal Adams is. The guys over here playing like a you know defensive end or a linebacker. These guys are playing the safety position perfectly, incredibly. Um, Josh Norman came off the street. He had two, uh, person, you know, pass interference calls. How was he? One, one of the pass interference calls was very ticky tacky. One was legit. He played pretty decent, but here's the thing. I've been saying it for a long time. I've said it on this podcast a million times. Pressure over coverage. How many times have I said it? The 49. You love it. First off, Eric Armstead leads the NFL in pressures. 15 in two mm. games. 15 in two games. Nick Bosa, two sacks yesterday. Everyone went into this game being like, oh, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to attack Josh Norman, the rookie corner. The the corners played decently enough. You know, obviously the rookie, uh, DeAndre Lenore, uh, he gave up a 91-yard touchdown. Uh, mm. Other than that, he played incredibly well for the rest of the day. But, I mean, really, at the end of the day, it was because Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Arden Key was like the highest-rated defensive player. The the island of misfit, misfit toys, the guy that the Raiders wanted to give away, just like Mo Hurst, Arden Key was the highest-rated PFF uh, defensive player on the 49ers yesterday. It's... It ju- they couldn't make it happen. They were constantly in Jalen Hurts' face, and because of that, the corners had it easy. Mm. Okay. How do you how do you feel about the Niners going into week three? Is this about what you expected through two weeks? So I don't want to take up too much time here, but mm. my my big takeaway when it comes to this, you know, I said it in twenty nineteen. I said it on this podcast. Mm. I said it to a bunch of people. I said, you know, going through the first, you know, the, the Niners in 2019 obviously went undefeated for like eight weeks. Um, they were, you know, they a lot of really close wins. But I said throughout that winning streak, I was like, yo, guys, Jimmy's not throwing the ball. And, it, you know, it's great that we're winning right now. But, like, you need to let him throw because he's got to be comfortable throwing if he's going to make, you know, the big plays or what if we get into the playoffs and they go, well, he doesn't fucking throw. So we're going to shut down the run and then he's not comfortable throwing. How did that super bowl get lost? Jimmy sailed the pass over Emmanuel Sanders, right? Mm-hmm. Lost the super bowl. Mm-hmm. Here we are again. 
Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers offense have the lowest yards, your air, you know, air yards mm. in the NFL. Uh, if you look at the diagram that shows all the places where Jimmy hasn't completed a pass or attempted a pass yet, it's insane. He's only throwing like these intermediate middle, you know, kind of little out passes. And they're running the ball. They were on their fifth string running back last night. And they were still fucking running the ball. You have George Kittle. You have Debo Samuel. You have Brandon Ayuk. He's Kyle Shanahan's still running the fucking ball with the fifth string running back. So it's good to be 2-0. I think the 49ers defense is going to be the best defense in the NFL this year. Like Nick Bosa is not even getting, he's not even like warmed up yet. And he's already got two sacks. Eric Armstead leads the, you know, leads the league and, and pressures. Um, I just, the 49ers defense is going to be great, but like we're repeating the same shit over and over again. They had a third and eight play like that. They needed to convert and they ran the ball. On a third and eight, like they like Kyle Shanahan does not trust Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's kind of where I got at the end of the game. I'm sitting here and I'm like, you traded three first round picks for Trey Lance. You have the most basic rudimentary offense in the world right now. Short and immediate passes, your you know your exotic runs. How the fuck on earth can Trey Lance not run that offense? Mm. Nothing, and then think about all the things that Trey Lance can do. I'm like the biggest Jimmy Garoppolo supporter on earth. I, I always, you know, I am, I, I'm, I'm an ardent Jimmy Garoppolo defender. But if you're going to just literally have the handcuffs on him, you're not going to let him do anything. You're going to like restrict all. I mean, third and eight, you need the first down and you run the ball when you've got Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and Debo Samuel. I mean, George Kittle literally had four targets. He didn't even try and get him the ball. So, like, if you're not going to do that, why not bring Trey Lance in? Trey Lance can throw the ball for more than, you know, 30 yards. He can run. Like, I, so when you ask me, you know, how do you feel about the 49ers right now, it's good to be undefeated. It's hard to win in the NFL. But I just don't know what the fucking plan is. Because you're not winning a Super Bowl like that. We've already proven it. Hmm. You know who's not winning a Super Bowl this year? The Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons are not winning a Super Bowl. There was like this was a better performance than what we saw in week one. They're getting better. Um, the secondary outside, AJ Terrell had two good pass breakups in this game. Um, the pass rush did nothing per usual. Dante Fowler had a good sack at one point, but there was no pass rush in this Buccaneers offensive line. The, the Buccaneers are dominant because of their offensive and defensive lines. Like they're just elite on both sides in that important area. They went in the trenches. They they bat balls in line. Like Matt Ryan had two picks that were all because of the defensive line of the Bucks, And um, Matt Ryan was really good throughout the majority of this game. He had four turnover-worthy pay- plays per PFF. But if you watch the game, he was good. He had some bad luck. Um, his offensive line still sucks. Um, Kyle Pitts is not there yet. Um, he had a really good catch that everyone saw that went viral on Twitter. But like, He's coming. Calvin Ridley got a lot more targets, which is good this week. Um, Mike Davis still can't do anything behind this offensive line. And then Cordero Patterson might be our best player. Like Cordero Patterson is so stinking good. And uh, not just because he made the the correct college decision by going to the University of Tennessee, but like he's also just a really good player that you can use in a multitude of ways. But 
Bucks are still great. Um, Brady is the the right guy for this offensive line because he gets the ball out in a little over two seconds, and his offensive line's great, so it doesn't really matter. But Matt Ryan was insanely accurate. He completed over seventy percent of his path- passes, but he still had three picks. Um, just unfortunate. Like he's doing all he can. It's not Matt Ryan's fault that this is all imploding around him. Um, there are some bright spots like AJ Terrell, Ridley, um, but they're few and far between. And uh, Falcons are in for a, a long year. I don't see this turning around because I just don't see them fixing. Like, it's just they are complete polar opposites. Like, the Bucks are elite where it matters on the defensive line and the offensive line. And the Falcons could not be any worse on the offensive and defensive line. Worst you know point differential in football wanting, right now. You know what I wanted to ask thinking about and I wanted to ask you today? Hmm. We all talked about how Jimmy Garoppolo, or not, excuse me, how Mount, Matt Ryan was essentially untradeable, right? Mm-hmm. Two games in, do you think they're maybe regretting not at least trying to trade him? No. No. Blake likes him, and I think they really did think that they could. Like, the idea, I wrote about this, I think, last week, where it was just like, their plan was fine. Like, they're trying to do the Saints thing. Like, they tried. They just didn't draft Taron Armstead and Ryan Ramzik. They didn't trade for Max Unger. And they also traded him for a little bit earlier and Alex Mack, and now he's gone. But, like, Jalen Mayfield, Lindstrom, McGarry, I mean, Hennessy, like, they drafted. They spent the capital. They spent the capital on the defensive line. Tack McKinley, Vic Beasley, Dante Fowler. Like, they, they put in the resources, A.J. Terrell, but, like, it just hasn't worked like that i don't think they have any any issues that it's just gone poorly as opposed to what's happened in tampa and pittsburgh and new orleans and green bay and other uh other teams that have found a way to retool around rapidly aging quarterbacks but i don't know i think him being the best quarterback in franchise history everything he's done for the city and for this team I don't think they feel bad because I think they would have kept him if they could still have taken a quarterback and it would have been Trey Lance by all accounts if y'all did not trade up for him. Um, I don't know. I think it's just uh, I, I'm just more I think they'd be more concerned if they thought that they were on their way to like a six and 11 season where they were going to be just good enough to be out of a top five quarterback next year. And I think the way it's looking right now, the Falcons are in good shape to have their pick of the quarterback class next year. Yeah, I mean that's an exciting situation for them. Kyle no, it's Pitts not. That's year, that's good. months out. That's not exciting, Evan. Like I, I have an aging quarterback. I have a team that thought that they could win enough to get in the playoffs. Instead, they're awful, and I have to watch this whole season of just awfulness, and then wait for another year to start this whole process all over again. It's terrible. I mean, in my defense, I did tell you that this was going to happen. Okay, that's. It's, I it's, literally told you. This okay. Well, that's that. Okay, Evan. Sometimes I just felt like I needed to get hurt again just to feel something. You're being emo, I, emo just, song guy. You get it. I think it's just such a sad situation for everyone involved. Like, if you're gonna ha- like, I like Matt Ryan doesn't deserve to waste his last couple of years on a bad team. Like I like. But I don't think he thought this was going to be a bad team. But my point is, is like they ne- there was never a choice because of his contract. Like, mm, Matt Ryan. He restructured this offseason. He bought in. Okay. Fine. Maybe Matt Ryan does deserve it. 
But in my head, in my world, I would have loved to have seen Matt go to a team that needed a quarterback. I mean, he still could next year. I mean, I would not be surprised at all if this is it for Matt Ryan in Atlanta. What what do you? I want to see Matt Ryan go to like the Colts. Oh, I wouldn't hit the Colts. Broncos are is Aaron Rodgers. Like I've already like penciled that in. Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Bronco next year. What if, makes, they, what if what if he stays with the Packers? I don't what think that's a possibility. <laughs> I think he'd rather retire. I also could just see him retiring after. Like if they won the Super Bowl this year, do you think Rodgers would retire? I don't think that he would retire and I also don't think he's going to win the Super Bowl at all. I know. So. I saw your tweets tonight. You were very out on the Packers performance against uh, Detroit. Well, I mean, look, you know, hey, Rodgers had some of the best throws I've seen all season. It's only week two, but like he mm-hmm. had a couple of throws that were just like, fuck you throws. Like, I mean, it's not, like nobody. Your boy Herbert that. had those yesterday too. Yeah, he absolutely did. We also had some interceptions that were not so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. The Chargers, they're, they're interesting right now. I'm not sure about them at the moment. The Chargers are a weird team. Uh, I, they're very I, different than who they were and who they've been the last couple of years. They're more competitive, but I just don't think they're there yet. I think the uh, I offense has gotten worse. The defense has gotten better. The offensive line's a little bit better. It's just weird. They seem more complete than they have in years past, which, yeah. weirdly enough, averages them out on offense. I don't know. It's very strange at the moment. Uh, I love the, this. I don't want to go on a tangent on the Chargers, mm. but I, I love seeing Mike Williams succeed. Yeah. It makes me really happy. Having him b- ball out and single-handedly beat the you know Alabama in the cha- national championship and then just struggle on the Chargers has been very depressing. Uh, but Derwin James, best safety in the NFL. Love that. Love that. Mm. We love we love Derwin James' success. Yeah, the Chargers are a weird team. But I don't know. Matt Ryan has got his like to bring it back to Matt Ryan, he's got choices. Like I think Minnesota's an option. I think um we could look what, at Detroit. What if, Kirk, what if Kirk Cousins went to the Vikings and Matt Ryan went to the oh, uh, excuse me, Kirk Cousins went to the Falcons and Matt Ryan? That's went to the not Vikings. funny at all. That's that's, yeah. a, that's not a funny thing at all. I don't want any of that. First um, off, I had to deal with three years of Kirk Cousins going to the 49ers rumors, so mm. you can handle just a little bit. Um, Pittsburgh possibility, Washington. There's some win now opportunities for him next offseason that they could do right by him football team is bad bro i don't think they're bad we'll get to them we'll get to them they're not bad the giants there's just giants stink that when you play them it just brings you down to their their level but we were right about the giants preseason um what is going on with the taunting penalties evan swords like what is DJ Reed had the most ridiculous yesterday called on him, but like, are we going to adjust or are they just going to keep this going for the full season? I just, so for me, what I don't understand is what their goal is. Mm -hmm. I think for, when I think about the why taunting is this interesting thing where you can't really dictate what is too far, right? It's hard to like, uh, you know, it's hard to, gauge that because if, if you go up and get in a guy's face like blah, blah 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 and then like what if they push each other about you know like maybe that's what you're trying to stop but to me a little bit of taunting's good uh, the one thing i want to say before we go you know go further into it there is literally audio clips of bill belichick going 
I want you guys to taunt. I you if you you know if you make a play, get in their face. I need like if your teammates aren't taunting after, like I you know I want you to get on their ass. Like you need to be celebrating your wins, right? Like he's there's video recording of that. It's indisputable evidence in the court of law, and he was quoted like yesterday being like, "Yeah, I don't think taunt, taunting is good for the league." <laughs> like it's like some real like like Rick James putting his feet on Charlie Murphy's couch. Like I would never do that. Yeah. I remember putting my feet on Charlie. Murphy. Like it makes no sense. Uh, but I, I just think it's ridiculous. It's a waste of everyone's time. It's getting in the way of good football. And it's just, it's just the NFL trying too hard. I agree. I hope they adjust because it stinks and it's universally uh, frowned upon. This is an easy one. Get rid of this. It's a joke and it's quite stupid and it's going to throw a game. Um, sooner rather than later. Uh, Tyrod Taylor knocked out in the Houston-Cleveland game yesterday. Cleveland survives that one. A lot of QB injuries in that game. Um, the jokes immediately were like, Cam on the way? W- would you bring in Cam now? What do, you, what do you do if you're Houston at the QB spot? Because you've been a little bit better than you expected. You have a very veteran-heavy team. The AFC South is not exactly the most uh, most exciting it's pretty winnable, even if you're Houston. Do you do you keep trying to win? What do you do? I mean, at the end of the day, Cam Newton is a bad football quarterback. Mm. I don't know what else you want me to hear. Is he about. worse than who they might be throwing out instead of him on Sunday? No, you know, maybe. But I just – Cam is at this position now where he's – been on record publicly saying I'm an asshole and I'm, you know, an annoyance. I'm a distraction. Like I want to be the guy, blah, 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 blah. Like, I just don't understand what bringing in an ego like that is going to do for you on an inevitably losing bad team. He's not a good quarterback. You know, like when you think of like, you know, these, who are the, I can't even name them. Like, when you, who do you think of when you think of like nobody third string quarterbacks that just so end up like starting because of like Kurt Benkert. Um Who look, is the who is the Texans backup right now? Davis Mills. No, behind him. Deshaun Watson. Well, no. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's their only three. Is Tyrod, Mills, and Watson. Yeah, like I'm I don't know who I'm thinking of right now, but Maybe he's on the practice squad. There might be another one on the practice squad. Let me see. Cuz they're only Cam There is. Too. Yeah, it, 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 he is on the practice. He's he's an old 49er. Well, you saw old friend Brian Hoyer got picked up by the Patriots for the 37th time. Um, yeah. I'm not seeing I'm seeing some lineouts. Oh, Derek Rivers? No, that's not who I was thinking of. I can't think of him for the life of me. Well, he's their only practice squad quarterback. Hmm. I don't Anyways, know. it doesn't matter. It's, we don't need to spend this much time talking about. It. But my point is, is like when you think of all these like third string nobody QBs that end up like starting a game, like they're irrelevant. You don't have to worry about them. You don't have to think of them. No one cares what they think. No one wants to interview them. It's whatever. Like it's just let's get this over with. The Texans are in a let's get this over with mode. Mm-hmm. They won a game, but I don't know, man. I think Tyrell, Tyrod Taylor is just a little bit better than people give him credit for. He's been great. He was great he was, in that game. And he was doing exciting things. And I think without him, you're just not going to get that. Yeah. Texans a surprising positive story thus far. Um, Lamar Jackson, game of the season thus far against the Chiefs. Um, he wins in amazing fashion. We have that fourth quarter call of uh, Harbaugh 
looking at Lamar and being like, Lamar, Lamar, do you want to go for it? And he's like, yeah. And then they get the first down and they don't give the ball back to Mahomes and the rest is history. Baltimore wins. Um, he carries the ball 16 times for 107 yards, 6.7 yards per carry. Um, he targeted Watkins and Brown a bunch, but um, big win, big win for Baltimore. But uh, yeah, I just, you see those stats and it's like, Lamar's awesome, and I'm glad that the Ravens play to his his strengths. But when people talk about the difference, like when they talk about the two most exciting quarterbacks, and we're excited for this duel for the next 10 years, here's the thing. Patrick Mahomes is going to be doing this for 10 years. He is not going anywhere. Lamar Jackson is not getting 16 carries for 107 yards um, against NFL defenses five years from now. Like this is not not sustainable. It's amazing right now. It's amazing television. I love Lamar Jackson. Love watching him play football. But this is why you have to win in the next year or two with Lamar because it's just one of these hits and one of these situations is not like he won the game on a QB design run to get that yard with the lead fullback. But I mean. I don't know, man. It's awesome. And it's not something to worry about right now. Just enjoy the moment. But this is when people talk about this and like how lucky we are for all this stuff. I'm like, Lamar is not going to be this kind of player five years from now. It's just not, he's not carrying the ball 16 times. Like it's not, quarterbacks just don't do this. Yeah. But you have to understand that like he can grow as a quarterback. When you think about how like Tom Brady or, you know, like Tom Brady used to be, be better with the deep ball. I mean, he's still great. That's not the good example. That's not a good example. I wouldn't go Brady there. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's killing it right now. But my point is, is like quarterbacks can evolve and Lamar can use his skills right now as a runner, mm-hmm. but he, you know, he's going to get better as a quarterback and he's, you know, I mean, he made incredible throws last night. He did. So, so. I don't think like, oh, well, the, you know, they're going to figure him out. or oh, It's not figuring him out. That's not it. Like he's well, a dual, Or yeah. he's going to like hurt himself from running. Like Lamar's I think that's inevitable. Grow, but like Lamar is going to grow as a quarterback and he's only going to get better at, at the quarterback position. And he can become more of a pocket passer over time. Maybe. I don't think he's I mean, as valuable at that point, though. I think what makes him valuable is just he is a good enough passer, make the, the good enough throws, but... The, Mike, the terrifying nature of him on the ground. The Say it again. Michael Vick lasted a long time in the NFL. And he ran That's true. Not as well as Lamar Jackson. Well, he also, I mean, missed several years in between that. Um, yeah, and, and then he played a lot of years after that. I mean, he had a lot of seasons. In I wouldn't NFL. say a lot. What did he do? Three years after that? Four, maybe? I mean, and he didn't start a couple of those years. I mean, actually, I would think Michael Vick is a very good example, right, of – uh, you know, of the possibilities because mm-hmm. he obviously missed two seasons while he was in prison. Uh, he played one, two, three, four, five, six. He was only on the Eagles for four years and he, so he after played he got out, 11 seasons total, but the Steelers than, year, he yeah, didn't yeah. play the Jets he was, year. He didn't play. That's that didn't count those. That was okay. 13 total. So 11 seasons where he played games. Well, we're not counting all the Philadelphia Eagles years because he was a backup originally in Philly. Well, he was a backup for one season. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever. It's man. not a lot. Well, that's, all I'm saying is it a wasn't decade. a long time. That's a decade. Eh, it's not a long time. I think you're really holding on to this opinion right now. <laughs> it's not the hill you want to die on. I'm just Lamar saying. I just Lamar Jackson mm. is a better thrower and a better runner than Michael Vick. I would agree. And he, no, not a better runner. I, I'm not agreeing with that. Michael Vick was a better runner, but 
I don't think so. Michael Vick was faster. He's not I need to show you some Michael Vick. Michael Vick was splitting Vikings defenders. Yeah, and... Once again, Michael Vick is faster. Mm-hmm. He's not a better runner. Okay. Um, but that said, there's no reason to think that Lamar Jackson cannot have a very long – like I don't even think we should be talking about this. We should be talking about John Harbaugh. Looking at his quarterback, mm-hmm. right? You 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 go to the Packers, and, and let me be out. clear. I'm not trying to shit on the situation. It was just something that stood out to me when I was going back through it and just seeing like, wow, 16 carries. It's a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot. But let's. I mean, let's think about it real quick. Let's think about the Green Bay Packers, mm-hmm. Matt Lafleur, looking at Aaron Rodgers and saying, "We're going to kick field goal. Deal with it." Right? Mm-hmm. Instead of going for it, they lose the game. John Harbaugh looks at Lamar Jackson and goes, you want to go for it? He knows the answer. Mm-hmm. He's only asking just to ask. He's only asking just to ask him to give it to give him the choice. But he knows the answer, right? He knows Lamar is going to say yes. And he he's ready to go for it too. He's a special teams coach. He's all about it. John Harbaugh looks at Lamar Jackson and says, hey, you just played the game of your life. Do you want to go out there and win it? Okay, go get it. I, I love it. I mean, honestly, it's like a fairy tale situation. It's the Kansas City Chiefs, the best quarterback in the NFL, just won a Super Bowl two years ago. One of the greatest teams we've ever seen for a very long time. Do you want to go try and get a yard to win the game? Cool. Go do it. And he does. He beats the team that he has that he's 0-3 against. Mm-hmm. Absolutely one of the coolest moments in NFL history. I agree. I do agree. Um, is the um, solution, this is something I jotted down, is the solution to being the Chiefs locking down Tyree Kill? I want to say yes, but at the end of the day... you Because he was locked down here. Did you notice that in real time where it was like, this is what changed the game? Was Tyreek Hill being a non-factor? Is that the way to beat the Chiefs in a one-off? So I don't... I understand your point, right? I get why you ask that. But you got to remember, right? Like, (laughs) what what was that... What was the... Brian or Byron Pringle, right? Mm-hmm. He had two. He had two receptions for sixty-three yards. He got, got like a sixty-yard uh, touchdown or something like that, right? Michael Hardman averaged eleven yards per care or per reception. Mm-hmm. So like, they locked down Tyreek Hill. But if you're giving up sixty-yard touchdown passes to some guy named Byron Pringle, right? If Travis Kelsey's going for a hundred yards and a touchdown, like. You know, does does shutting down Tyreek Hill really matter? Hmm. I don't know. He passed for he passed for three hundred and forty three yards, three touchdowns. I don't think that Tyreek shutting down Tyreek Hill really mattered. I think the one thing we do want to talk about is they shut down the run game pretty efficiently. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, supposed to be an yep. exciting running back, averaged three and a half yards a carry, forty six yards total. I mean, it's pretty bad, right? So this was a shootout. I don't think shutting down Tyreek Hill really matters that much because, I mean, at the end of the day, they were scoring regardless. They scored 35 points. They lost by one point. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I, I think if you go, how do you beat the Chiefs, right? Because that's the question. Mm-hmm. The the Ravens just showed you right here. You have to score more than them. And I know that's a weird thing. To, no shit, I've got to score more points to win them. But the it's not that, oh, you have to score more. It's The Chiefs are going to score 35 points. You got to score 36. Like, look at the NFL. Look at the scores uh, this this year or this week, week two. How many teams scored more than 35 points? The Chiefs are going to score. They're going to get five touchdowns a game. You just have to score more. And you have to pray to God because your defense is not going to stop them. You just have to pray to God that you can score more than them. And that's what Lamar did. And Lamar did it in a very, you know, I mean, he did it on the ground. He threw. Uh, you know, he even threw a couple picks, too. Uh, the Ravens really shouldn't have won that game, but you gotta be you gotta be impressed. Twelve points in the fourth quarter. It was, a, it was a great it was a it was a great game. Great way to start the season. Yeah, I agree. Um, panic button: Jacksonville, Minnesota, Atlanta, the Jets, the Giants, and the Dolphins. How would you rank them in in order of panic meter? Well, panic is an interesting concept and an interesting term. Is Jacksonville panicking? No, we all knew this was going to happen. We knew that team was garbage. Minnesota? I think Minnesota's panicking just because even though we all as fans know that Kirk Cousins is trash, I think their team, their coach, you know, I mean, poor Zimmer. Mm. You're missing a chip shot 30 Yards. And they just had a great game from special teams last week. Right. They got so, one week and then it that did you listen to the radio broadcast? Yeah, when he's yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Oh. So I think I think Minnesota's probably at the top in terms of panicking. I can't imagine anybody is genuinely surprised at the Giants. I think this is all about what we expected from them. They don't really have the talent on the roster to do anything special and Daniel Jones is I mean, he's just not that guy. I mean, Daniel Jones was more impressive as a runner than he was a passer. Miami, that's, I think, to me personally, if I'm answering, that's the, the, the top of the list for panic button. Zero points. Tua and, hurt. And Tua got hurt. Yeah, so, I mean, panic button's high for them. Jacksonville's a, a dumpster fire, absolute dumpster fire. Atlanta, I think this is about where we expected them to be. And the Jets – you know, I, I almost like the idea of Zach Wilson getting. Yeah, you know, I, lo- I I love Zach Wilson throwing those. Like, if you, I don't know if you watched any of his interceptions, but they were egregious. <laughs> Absolutely no. He was seeing ghosts, there. man. That one that sailed. I don't remember who who got that. Was that Gilmore who picked it off on the right hand side? Yeah. I mean, to me, it just he just had no idea yeah. what was going on. And it, it was like a mixture of like the NFL being too big for him, too fast for him. Mm-hmm. And him also still having, still having some of that confidence and bravado that he had playing, <laughs> uh, you know? So I, I don't know if they're panicking though. You, you know, Peyton Manning is notorious for all the interceptions he threw as a rookie. Mm-hmm. The kids got talent. I'm sure that they were expecting some growing pains. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, the Miami Dolphins, whew, that's scary. That offense cannot, like uh, just getting blown out by a team that you think, you or you thought coming into the year, you could challenge 
the division with and to just go the complete opposite way like that is just uh devastating um so i'm very very intrigued to see how the dolphins respond uh this week because that is as bad of a week as you can get especially when you get to defend to all off season um and the injury stuff was always going to follow him and he's just an easy guy to root for and i hope he's healthy and i hope he's able to play um or we might get brissette but then there's the case it's like is brissette better than tua in 2021 um that is a potential conversation we'll have after this week depending on how that goes but yeah, I would agree. I think it's one, two, Miami, Minnesota, and then I think the Giants are three for me. Then Jacksonville, then the Jets, then the then the Falcons. But Giants are also just like they're heading for cleaning house situation altogether. Top down, Gettleman, everybody. Um, you got Galladay, who's like I was more upset about Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones was my closest target, so I just was mad at Jones too and. Just the way they're losing, and uh, I don't know. I could see the locker room turning on Garrett and Judge sooner rather than later, and I just – I don't know. I think the Giants are in for rude awakening. Um, I mean, you have to – Kenny Galladay mm-hmm. yelling at, at Jason <laughs> Garrett and then correcting them when they were like, no, 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 no. I wasn't yelling at the quarterback. I was yelling at Jason <laughs> Garrett. Like, let's get this very clear. I was yelling at our garbage-ass offensive coordinator. I, which I love, by the way, because Jason Garrett is hot trash. He should be he should be coaching hot like high school football in Texas or something. Wait, hold on. There's something wrong with that. High school football is a delight. Yeah, and I'm sure he'd be a great high school football coach. Have you been to any high school football games in in LA? I haven't been to a high school football game since I was in high school. Mm. It would be interesting, but yeah, I mean, how was the high school football scene in, in Oregon? Uh, our team was. Not did you play? No. Okay. No, I was too busy partying. <laughs> I'm sure I would have been a pretty decent like corner safety, mm-hmm. maybe receiver. Jason Seahorn ass over here. Yeah, lengthy little kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but yeah, no, I never played. I don't mm-hmm. think my dad, my dad grew up. My dad was like a minor league baseball player, so I don't think he uh, he wanted his son to get hit, and I think he wanted his son to play baseball. Yeah, I got pulled after eighth grade. There was like a whole divide when I should play football into high school. And uh, I think we made the the right decision for my size and frame not to continue down that path. I don't think I it would have worked out for me. Um, winners and losers. Your biggest winner for this weekend in the NFL and your biggest loser, Evan. Who is it? Biggest winner and loser. Well, I think the biggest loser has to be the Dolphins. Mm. I mean, not scoring a single point. In it's hard to do in today's NFL. 16-minute regulation game. And week two, too, when it's not like defenses are all locked in, right? Usually the first week or two of the NFL, things are a little sloppy. So the biggest loser is definitely going to be the Dolphins. Um, biggest winner. That's a hard one. Let me just kind of give you some of my thoughts here, okay? Uh, I, I think there's a lot of winners, and I don't know if I could pick one. But when I think of biggest winners, I think the Titans in that win against the Seahawks, what a comeback. I would say the Titans, they're my number one, yeah. But I also would say those, the Raiders. Oh, okay. Derek Carr, you man. Know, are you, you, are you changing your tune on Derek right Carr? Are you all yeah. in on him now? No, I mean, I was never a Derek Carr fan, and he is. He's a top 10 quarterback impressive. now, man. The Raiders, I watched that whole game. Balling out. 
Dude, he I mean he's he looks incredible. He looks like that that little Super Bowl run before. Did you see that play. bomb to Henry Ruggs in that game? Yeah, of course. The Raiders right now are my biggest winner. Mm-hmm. Um, and that pains me to say. Uh, but they have wins over the Ravens and the Steelers. Yeah. The Ravens, we just saw what they did against the Chiefs. Right? They have next three very winnable games. The Dolphins, the Chargers, the Bears. Ooh. Five and they, Vegas? Those are, those are all winnable games. Yeah. So I you know, I definitely have the Raiders as my biggest winners, although I would love to say um that the Titans played an incredible game. Beating the Seahawks at home is never an easy feat. Tyler Lockett's um, legit, sir. I also my biggest winner mm. is Tom fucking Brady, man. Okay, we don't have to do this. I don't want to do this, but like Bro, he's I don't like this game anymore. Year, he's 44 years old. Mm-hmm. He has thrown nine touchdown passes in two weeks. He's 44 years old. I like. It is insane. Mm. It is. I mean, Tom Brady. In his entire history, other than the 2007 Patriots. Never threw for more than 39 touchdowns, right? First year with the Buccaneers, 40 touchdowns. This year, two weeks in, nine touchdowns. I like that. That man is a witch. There's no reason on earth, other than a lot of Botox and plastic surgery, for him to look that young and play this young. And I just, I, I can't. I like. I want to hate him so bad. I want to hate him so bad, but it's just like I, my hands are sore from clapping at this point. Like, like I just have to give it up for him. Like that, it, the, <laughs> there's no words on earth to justify or explain what he's doing at 44 years old. Do we remember what Peyton Manning looked like his last year? He could have looked like that in San Francisco red and gold. No, no. Peyton Manning's final year, mm-hmm. nine touchdowns, 17 picks. I I mean that arm looked like there like there was not a single muscle left. <laughs> Tom Brady is torching teams right now at forty four yeah. years old. He's and also I'm, avoided the injury though. That was the biggest thing. As Peyton's neck um, ended all totally, of that. Brady's totally been fortunate. Agree. Totally agree. But I just I, I I can't give it up more for him. Yeah. Um. I would agree. I would agree. Um. Soured. <laughs> so at says. this point, I said at this point you got to just call it that. I, we just got to lock that in. I look at it and it just soured says. Well, here let's sword just do says. This. Let's just do this. <laughs> so for I'll people make, who do not know, you, so, I got it. I got the Google Doc updated. So we share a Google Doc um, on this very podcast, and uh, Evan changed it for me, so I don't say it like that. Because when I look at it, when I do this segment, it just it's always gonna just go to my brain as. So well, it it's says. like it's like me looking at the the two minute timer, mm-hmm. or excuse, excuse me for sources looking at the two minute hot take and being like, oh yeah, I basically already said it earlier. Mm-hmm. It's it's we're gonna, we're we are doomed to repeat. Are are we doomed to repeat this week? Yeah. Okay. So I do I do want to I do want to rehash this, but okay. I want to say it in the full breadth that I was able to convey on Twitter. Um, for this my is for the video hot. content for us. This is our video content right here. This is the headliner app usage with what you put put together here. Right. So 
Here's where I'm at. Mm. You have two roads here. You have Trey Lance, who is a rookie, who they traded three first-round picks for, right? They know what they have with him. Thoroughly unbelievable talent when it comes to athleticism, right? We know he can run. We can know, we know he can throw bombs. We saw what he did in preseason. In my head, you have either two choices. You either go the full season with Jimmy Garoppolo and you let him throw. You don't do this hindrance. You don't put him in handcuffs. Because you know that like the Super Bowl in 2019, he is going to need to throw, make those throws in order to win the Super Bowl. Or if you're not willing to do that, you got to let Trey Lance go right now and you have to let him learn because you can't let him learn week eight. He needs these weeks. So either you're going to run with Jimmy the whole way through or you're going to run with Trey the whole way through. But right now, Kyle Shanahan is over here putting handcuffs on Jimmy. He's not letting him throw other than this tiny little box. He's not using George Kittle for anything other than off other than an offensive lineman. And we are repeating the same thing that happened in 2019. Yes, Kyle, you are going to win games. You're going to have a great record at the end of the season. You're going to break a lot of yards. Everyone's going to clap. Everyone's going to be so impressed with how good your running game is. They're going to talk about how Trenton Cannon, no one even knows who he is. He'll probably rush for 100 yards next week. Elijah Mitchell, no one knew who he was. He rushed for 100 yards next week. Trey, Lant, or Trey Sermon is probably going to come back and, after his concussion, and he'll rush for 100 yards. You'll probably have five running backs this, this year rush for 100 yards that no one knew who the fuck they were. And everyone will think you're a genius. And then the playoffs will come again, and there will be a time that comes when there's a smart coach a smart defensive coordinator or just a team that's got a really impressive defense. And they are going to shut your run game down because they know that you will not let Jimmy throw or by then he's just not going to be able to make those throws because he spent the entire season dinking and dunking all over the place and handing the ball off. So I just don't understand what the goal is. If the goal is to win a Super Bowl, and you watched at the end of the 2019 Super Bowl run when you literally went to the Super Bowl and lost because Jimmy couldn't make that pass to Emmanuel Sanders. You're repeating all of it all over again. And for what? You traded three first-round picks for a quarterback that you said he's not ready. And then you go out and you literally run the most basic passing attack in the NFL currently, the lowest yards per attempt, air yards. And you're telling me that Trey Lance as a rookie can't come out and make those tiny little dink and dunk passes while you focus on your run game? So what is it? What's the point? Why is Jimmy Garoppolo running this basic-ass offense? I thought the whole point was Trey Lance isn't ready yet. He's not ready for that? None of it makes sense. And it's the funniest thing in the world that I am a 49ers fan complaining this much about a 2-0 and football team. I would like to be in your shoes. I would like to be in my shoes, too. My shoes are very nice. They're comfy, too. Mm. Not like your sweatpants or your leggings. Check Checks over stripes. Checks over stripes. There you go. It's the most L.A. thing I think you've said on this podcast thus far. First off, it's a Portland. It's a Beaverton, Oregon thing. That's Nike. Oh, is that a... Okay. Yeah, the check over the stripes. 
I mean, I got, I got the reference, but I just thought that would be an LA thing. I guess I didn't put the the Beaverton part. Isn't that weird though? The Beaverton part because the Ducks is where Phil Knight went, and then you got Beaverton, oh. Oregon, but the Beavers are in Corvallis for Oregon State. Yeah, it is. It is confusing in itself. That's a little weird. I mean, Beaverton was where the land was, right? Beaverton is a suburb of Portland. He grew up in Portland. Have you been to Beaverton? I grew up. I'm from Beaverton. Oh, I didn't know that. I live 10 minutes from Nike campus. It's a campus that you're calling it a campus. So it's like this whole thing. Is it pretty crazy? I, I mean, I've never been, it, never Nike seen pictures. Campus is, is more impressive than, yeah. I mean, it's absolutely a campus. It is legitimately, it's a, its own little city. That's like wild. not even a city, but like a town. Mm. It's incredibly impressive. Yeah, every every building is amazing. It's all named after you know uh, athletes. The Michael Jordan building, the pre you know Steve Prefontaine, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, it's yeah, Tiger Woods building. It's, it's was there Nike snacks like wrap snacks? No, man. <laughs> <laughs> they have a they have crazy cafeterias and all that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like it's honestly what's most impressive about it is like the the facilities right like mm-hmm. the, the soccer fields they have a, a running track not a track for all running. the employees or what's the deal with that so yeah like the the inside stuff yes there is okay. a running uh trail mm-hmm. that that borders the entire campus that anyone can run on okay hmm but yeah it's a very it's would a you recommend it is that something to see if i go to portland well it's hard to say that right because you can't just go okay so it is by all means you have to be a Nike employee to get onto campus. Even that little area to run around. The run, the, the I mean, if you're a runner, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I think it's a great little. It's a nice little run. It's okay. Pretty. Um, but it's pretty locked down. You can't just like go in and out and stuff if you're not. The trail, the trail, you can. The the campus, you can't. Uh, what mm-hmm. I would say if you want to experience Nike is you 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 let me know because mm-hmm. everyone I know I grew up with all all works at Nike now, and you go to the Nike employee store. Mm. You got to pass to the Nike employees for and all the new, everything new, every all you know, all the brand new Nike gear uh, is forty percent off. Okay, there you go. The more you know, I might have to take you up on that if I uh, if I make my way to Portland. I want to go to the Northwest soon. Um, that's on the list. Um, Mr. Swords, are you ready for our two minute picks? Screw the lines. I think it's time. Well, first and foremost, can we real quick go over? Uh, how we did? I mean, do we have to? Did I do what? It, well, first, did I do well last week? I mean, I don't know. Oh, I mean, you have it in front of you. Well, I do now. <laughs> Let's just go over it real mm-hmm. quick because we're doing good on time. Yeah. There are we. NFL scores. Well, there we are. Week two. Okay. Uh, you said Washington. I said the Giants. I got that wrong. We both said Steelers. We both got that yeah. wrong. We both said the 49ers. We got that right. We both said the Browns. Got that right. Uh, we both said the Broncos. We got that right. We both said the Saints. Uh, we Ugh. got that wrong. Um, we both said the Rams. We got that right. We both said the Bills. We got that right. We both said – oh, no, excuse me. I said the Jets. You said the Patch. You got that right. I got that wrong. I'm down two. We both said the Bears, and uh, we got that right. Uh, I said the Cardinals. You said the Vikings. I got mm. that right. 
Uh, we both said the Seahawks. We got that wrong. I said the Cowboys. You said the Chargers. I got that right. Puts us even. Uh, you said the Ravens. I said the Chiefs. I got that wrong. And then we both said the Packers. So you were one up on me. There you go. That's how it's done. And In the last frame. Week three. Week three. I'm ready for it. Where you're, I, you're just going to be amazing on Twitter Sunday night. I'm ready for it. All right. So first and foremost, we're going with the Panthers and the Texans, and we're both going to be taking the Panthers. Uh, no. Hold on. Um, think about that. Think about who the quarterback is. Let's not do this right now. I mean, the Panthers three and zero. Yes, absolutely. Are we trusting Sam Darnold? Have we the Texans? Have we locked in Sam Darnold? Okay, you know what? You, I'm not going to argue with you. You want you (laughs) want the Texans? I'll write it down right now. I'm taking the Texans. Oh my god. I don't trust Sam Darnold yet. I want to see it one more time. Bro, you could bring my. You can literally bring. Short week, overlooking yeah, well, it. Now give me give me the Texans here at home. You can bring Jake DeLone out for the Panthers, and he would win that. <laughs> uh, Chargers and Chiefs. I th- I want to say Chargers, but I do think the Chiefs. Um, when was the last time the Chiefs win? lost two straight? Right. That's what I'm saying. It's hard. So Give me the Chiefs. The Chiefs. Uh, ja- <laughs> Jaguars and Cardinals. Not good and for you. Cardinals get an Cardinals easy one here. Cardinals have to go 0-3, huh? Yeah. Give me the cards. It's in the cards, right? No. Oh. <laughs> Oof. All right. Uh, Bears and Browns. Ooh, this is going to be good. Um, Browns. Is this a Justin Field game? No, I think they said if Dalton's healthy, he's continuing to start. Yeah, I'm still going to take the Browns, too. Uh, the Bears have a bad team. Bills, Washington football team. I'm taking the Bills. Are you? I have a feeling you want to take Washington. No, Henneke's not good. They keep trying to talk about like uh, he's not winning a duel here against uh, Buffalo. Give me, give me the Bills. I think it's gonna be closer to what we just saw last week in Miami. Titans and Falcons. I'm going Titans. Uh, Titans, Titans Colts. Give me the Titans. Carson Wentz is out. Who's gonna start for the Colts this week? Eason. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, give me, give me the Titans here. 0-3 Colts. I, I don't know why I've been rooting for the Colts so much, but they might end up with a quarterback. Saints and Patriots, two teams that just don't want to win football games. Hmm. Give me the Saints in a bounce back. I, I think they overcompensated a little bit too much last week. They bounce back. Give me the Saints. All right. Yeah, this is a weird thing. I don't think Jameis is going to be good or bad this year. I think he's going to be both. Yeah, I agree. Uh. <laughs> Oh, speaking of two teams that don't want to win, the Falcons and the Giants. What a terrible game. Um, if I wasn't a Falcons fan, I would not encourage anyone to watch this. But like, I don't want to watch this. This is not going to be fun. Um, I'm going Falcons. I think the Giants. The Falcons are so bad, man. They're they're so bad. I mean, I love I love picking your team for the potential of getting ahead of you. So I'll take that any day. I hate uh, doing it. Steelers Bengals. Ooh, I'm so excited. By the way, we didn't talk about it. Your boy Joe Burrow throwing some picks. We don't have to talk about it. He was, Joe, it was an off day. Do you do you st- let me just ask. Are you still in on Joe Burrow's better? He's coming back. Justin Herbert. Herbert I hasn't been great either this year. He's hit a little bit of a wall. Herbert's not asked, lightning I up. A, I asked a yes or no question. <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not wavering. Burrow's coming back from one of the worst injuries of quarterback for a young dude. No, he's he's coming back. He's fine. 
But he's still hitting Higgins. He's still hitting Chase. He's still hitting uh, Boyd. He's fine. Got we Joe Mixon back there. Just needs a better why. offensive line. We have no idea why, but the Steelers keep winning. I agree. The Steelers win this game. Uh, Ravens and Lions. I think this is a pretty even one. Yep, easy Ravens. one here. Although Lions, man, I'm not going to lie. They're playing some decent football. Like They were looking good tonight until it started raining. Mm-hmm. Is Dan Campbell got a good coaching staff, or is he actually doing okay as a coach? He's got like. I mean, Aaron Lynn's a good coach, coaches. running that defense. Anthony Lynn's got an identity. T.J. Hawkinson's yep. legit. He's a dude. T.J. Hawkinson is that dude. I give me a, every tight end to ever go to Iowa. <laughs> every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Broncos and Jets. I will be. Taking Wait, just to be Broncos. clear. Did you just go Lions there? No, I didn't. Okay. Win. We both went. No, okay. no. I'm just saying. I'm impressed with the Lions. I thought they were going to be much worse. Remember when? Remember when Dan Campbell had his press. Press conferences, we thought the team was going to go up like 0-17. Who could forget? All Someone right. tweeted, uh, like, Jared Goff looks like the kind of he, – he treats football the way I treat my job where he just – he clocks in and goes home. And yeah. Someone tweeted that tonight, and it cracked me up because that really is Jared Goff. That Raiders man does not love football. We both go Raiders here. Interesting. Uh, What about – wait, what did you do with Broncos-Jets? I thought we were both going Broncos. Yeah, we are going Broncos. 3-0 Broncos. 3-0, yeah, 3-0 Broncos, 3-0 Raiders. At the division? Uh, hold on. I'm not going Raiders. I'm going Dolphins. Oh, my God. Why do you always do these things? You want to like the the, the Dolphins so much. Well, this is one and two Dolphins territory. Like, I don't uh, – if I'm going to believe in them in the preseason, I need to back it up a little bit early on. The I, one thing I will say, though, is the Dolphins do always get, like, an upset every year in the division and usually they, they can play well against the Patriots or something. This is, I think that game, another very good game. And as an NFC West team that the 49ers are, I'm loving this. The bucks play the Rams. I'm taking the bucks. I don't think you can stop them right now. Uh, disagree. Give me the Rams. This is it. This is where they run into a wall. Mm. Seahawks Vikings. Desperation mode for these two teams. One and one Seahawks. They don't want to get just it's desperation for the Seahawks because this division is just so good. Um every game matters, especially for playoff seeding. So give me the Seahawks. Oh and three Vikings. Okay. I'm excited for this one though. It's gonna be ugly. High scoring though. All right. And Let's see. You're Packers, not going to like my Sunday 49ers. night. Packers. I think the Packers look good tonight on defense, or mm-hmm. excuse me, on offense, but the 49ers are not the fucking Lions, and they are not. No. The 49ers will continue once again with a little bit of rest, too, and having an extra day on them that the Packers don't have. That defense is going to light Aaron Rodgers' ass up. Hmm. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley is going to be coming back into the rotation of one of the starting corners. On top of that, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, man, Aaron Rodgers' biggest nightmare is Nick Bosa, and that motherfucker is back. And he's only getting better. Two sacks this week. I'm telling you, man. Uh, they The 49ers so far have taken out uh, Devontae Smith. Um, you know, I mean, like, once again, I'm not even, you will see. I'm taking the 49ers, you're taking the Packers, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, love that. Niners going to go 0-3. And, and it's at home, too. It's their first home game of the year. 
Don't forget that. Cowboys, Eagles. Ooh. This is going to be a sneaky good game. Um, give me the Cowboys. Cowboys are Cowboys are good, and especially with Dak. I don't think the Eagles can score enough with Dallas. Yeah, I'm definitely taking the Cowboys, too. Which is dumb, because it's like they're going to lose in a really dumb way on Monday Night Football. They're going to lose in a really dumb way. Oof, I don't know, but I think it'll be fun. I like Eagles Cowboys on on primetime. So give me give me Cowboys. All right. How many did we disagree on this week? Um, did we disagree on one, two, three, four, five? Okay. There you go. I like it. I like it. Mr. Swords, we can uh, check you out in the good folks at 49ershub.com. We can follow you on Twitter, burner underscore swords. What else would you like to plug as we wrap up here tonight? Well, you know, once again, uh, mm-hmm. the download, if you're a 49ers fan, the Chancer app, uh, mm-hmm. we just got the green light uh, to, we're going to start giving away some prizes, fans of the week type situation. Uh, Chancer's definitely, um, you know, I, I, I can't say it enough. It, it's just so cool to work with what I think is a really innovative and cool app that you haven't seen be done before. So definitely check out that if you're if you're a 49ers fan. Download the app. Um, give it a shot if you're not. Who knows? You like to make guesses anyways. Uh, outside of that, check out the 49ershub.com. Season fully underway. Uh, if you absolutely hate yourself uh, and you like pain, follow me on Twitter, burner underscore swords. There you go. Hey, um, Evan, as we hit the closing music here, what do people do after they listen to this podcast? Well, I mean, it's an, it's very obvious, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, just in the same way that you would see uh, five Cowboys jerseys <laughs> lined up next to each other, you'd see five stars, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to go and you're going to rate the, the podcast five stars, right? Like, if you were to take the Milky Way – or no, excuse me, the Big Dipper <laughs> – how many stars are in the Big Dipper? It's five stars. And just like the Big Dipper, uh, you're going to go and rate five stars. Mm-hmm. So shout out to you and Chase Almas Podcast and your 400 podcasts you do a week. <laughs> uh, you deserve five stars, and, you're, and, and, these, and these lovely people are going to do it. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, great as always, Mr. Swords. It's always great talking, talking football with you, my friend. Uh, you have a safe great week my friend and uh i will talk to you next week all right brother all right hello as the monday afternoon edition of the chase Thomas podcast rolls along where i am now joined by a first timer someone who just had a great time an absolute great time watching the auburn tigers play on prime time on abc on saturday night in happy valley it's Shay Brenneman. You might know her from Twitter. That's where I know her. Used to contribute to Auburn's uh, USA Today's Auburn Wire. Shay, good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. So I watched all of this game. Explain to me, Shay, what happened in the Auburn Penn State game on Saturday. Um. I mean, the the best scenario or best summary I can give you is that Auburn just got outmanned on the defensive line. Um, you know, I think 
the deciding factor in that game would have been if Auburn could have provided a pass rush. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Sean Clifford is a great quarterback. He's got a great receiving core. Um, But they gave him way too much time, and they capitalized on that, plain and simple. And, you know, I could go on all day about play calls and whatever, but point being is that um, there were some crazy play calls like that trick play to open the second half where Kobe Hudson fumbled the ball. Um, that wouldn't have been the best play call I would have used in that situation. Then again, I don't know, you know, they, that could work perfectly in practice. Um, it certainly didn't work out perfectly in the game. Uh, but I think, you know, there's still so many bright spots that Auburn showed on offense. Um, I think, you know, both, and passing, that's still a work in progress. Wide receivers, um, they could have been better hitting their target. Um, but I really do think that the deciding factor came to Auburn's defensive line and the lack of the pass rush. Were you surprised by that? That just is a very rare, rare issue for, for an Auburn Tigers team to not be able to generate a consistent pass rush. Um. You know, not really. Uh, I think for a lot of Auburn fans, um, the defensive line was still one of the question marks going into this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ever si- it feels like ever since Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson left that there have been question marks at the defensive line. And certainly, you know, with, uh, with Derek Mason coming in, Kevin Steele leaving, you're going to see, you know, a different scheme, a different style. Uh, a lot of these guys are still young. Um, and, I mean, it's still – I wasn't surprised. Hmm. Um, do you feel better or worse or neutral about Bo Nix after Saturday? Um, I, I guess I'm still neutral. Um, mm. You know – his first two games, you really couldn't have asked for a better showing from him. And, of course, when you take a quarterback and you put them on the road in that situation, you know, he's still new to Mike Bobo's scheme. He's still new to what Harson's preaching. You know, it's still a very – they're still very new to this system that they're trying to adapt to. Um, and, you know, I saw, I saw things from Bo Nix on Saturday that I liked. You know, he did look a lot more comfortable in the pocket than he has in years past. Huge credit to Auburn's offensive line uh, because they really, they really did a good job of protecting him. And that showed tremendously. Um, but, you know, of course, with Bo Nicks, like the throwing off the back foot, not having your feet set, that's still something that I've seen in the last two years that he's still struggling with. And, you know, that's, that goes to coaching, you know, get him comfortable in this situation. Like, Hey buddy, you have enough time to get your feet set. Like, you know, he had that one pass that was almost intercepted. That wasn't mm-hmm. shout out to Auburn Jesus for that. Because <laughs> I have no idea how that wasn't picked where up. he just kept running and kept bobbling. And then eventually it just fell um, to the ground. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, my heart was jumping, you know, it, being an Auburn fan is just not good for your health. <laughs> I mean, I decided, you know, I usually wear an, op- an Apple Watch just about every day. Mm. And 
you know, last football season when Auburn was playing Ole Miss, I had my uh, Apple Watch on, and it was like, hey, we've detected your heart rate uh, is dangerously fast. You know, maybe you should sit down. Breathing helps. It's just like, I can't, I can't listen to that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been in this for 27 years. And this is just how it goes. You know what you signed up for. Exactly. But I still, back to Bo Nix, you know, I'm still pretty neutral. Um, You know what? There's there's a lot of people that want to hit the panic button like, hey, look, he's still doing the same stuff. Well, let's wait until conference play starts to see where he's really at. You know, this is a hostile environment, one of the best environments in college football. Of course, he's going to be out of his element. Of course, he's going to be shaken or rattled. Um, but I, you know, he didn't get sacked. He didn't throw an interception. Uh, passing could have been better, but you know, I'm still, I'm still neutral. Yeah. And I'm just, uh, I, you know what, that game, that environment, yeah, it was cool to see a whiteout and just see Penn state and happy Valley rocking. But if you play that game in Charlotte on a neutral site in an NFL stadium, that's when you really, you really get that great college football feeling. That's where, you know, um, things are really cooking with grease is when uh, you put uh, a, a, a unique atmosphere like that and a unique uh, slate of games, putting them in neutral sites for NFL games. That's that's where you should go. That's what college football's figured out. Like Clemson, Georgia. What what were we doing there? Like uh, and like that's that's a great thing. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Like that was great, and I'm glad that that was played <laughs> in Happy Valley because that's where big time college football non-conference games should be played is not in NFL stadiums and neutral sites. Um, it's interesting with Bo and because I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, what do you like the goal line fade? I just Mike Bobo in the goal line. Like I could bring on all kinds of like, I grew up in Georgia surrounded by Georgia fans and just, they could tell you horror stories of Mike Bobo's <laughs> offensive play calling at times. And the goal line fade is what stands out to me in this game. Um, in the moment where you just like, oh, what are we doing? What, what, why are we doing this? And why are we putting Bo Nix in this position? When I saw the goal, the goal line fade take place, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I already, I think in myself, I knew, okay, they're at the goal line. It's fourth and short. You know, ideally you would run it. Yeah, you know you've got you've got Tank Bigsby. That is your biggest weapon. Use him, okay? He wasn't a five star for nothing. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not named Tank because <laughs> he runs lightly, mm-hmm. okay? He's named Tank for a reason. And, you know, I was thinking, oh, you know, if I were Bobo, I'd just run Tank. You know, cruise into the end zone and. You know, I saw the formation. I walked away from the TV. I mean, anytime I saw a meme on Twitter and it was about coaches that use the goal line. Oh, is this the Arrested Development one? Yes. Yes. And it was like, (laughs) we're going to run a goal line phase. And, you know, she's like, well, that never works. What makes you think it'll work this time? And he was like, well, you know, it doesn't work for most people, but hey, it could work for us. Mm-hmm. It it's just not that's not your strength, you know. You're not playing to your strength in that situation. I have no idea what he was thinking. Again, could be one of those plays that works great in practice, but think about it: is it going to translate on the field in a crucial moment of the game? 
It was also just one of those plays where, like, he clearly was trying to draw a penalty. Like, they weren't even trying to convert. They, like, had understood that we were not converting a goal line fade because, like, Bobo almost knew there's no chance of hitting a goal line fade here. But if we can fall down and he can, Bo can place the ball in the right spot where we can get a pass interference call, then that's the best case scenario is drawing a penalty. And um, I forgot who was out wide, who we targeted on that spot, but um, he fell over and was looking for the call. Like he was falling over immediately <laughs> where he was looking for that call. And I'm like, I think I, I mentioned to, to my buddies in that text right, I was like playing for a penalty in fourth and goal, like putting the, the ball in the ref's hands is bold move, bold move by Bobo there. That playing scared in yes. my opinion and um you know anytime you put the game in the hands of the officials you're gonna lose i mean look at the officiating for the game you know it went bad on both sides you know penn state lost it down uh Zacoby mcclain was ejected for targeting uh, yeah you know, stopping the defender short of the goal line uh, you can't you cannot rely on officiating to go your way if you want to win a football game you just have to play good football i mean that's like i said that's just playing scared in my opinion and i don't like that um you know you need to be anytime you're on the road especially if it's as hostile of an environment as happy valley you've got to play smack mouth football like you've got to be aggressive you can't just be like well, you know, maybe we'll draw a pass interference call and we'll get a new set of downs. You can't you can't do that. I agree. Um, what did you make of the McLean targeting ejection? Did you think it was coming in the moment? Do you think it was justified? What did you make of it? Because, like, his reaction after was brutal. Falling over and just, uh, he was despondent. It was, that was brutal to see. You know, in that scenario... Like, McLean's one of these guys, I mean, he hits hard. Um, obviously, there was zero ill intent with how he was hitting. And in that moment, you know, Penn State ball carrier was already down. McLean comes in because he's trying to stop. I mean, it was very clear what his intent was, okay? This guy was down so close to the goal line. His intent was, okay, I need to stop him from crossing the plane at the goal. So I'm going to hit him as best as I can. And, you know, I think the fact that they called it targeting, did it follow the rules of targeting? No, not necessarily. Um, it It's one of those things where targeting is such a controversial rule um, because it varies mm-hmm. from case to case. And it's like, okay, you know, Two years ago, two or three years ago when this rule was new, it all seemed to be, okay, these are ball carriers or football players that are defenseless and that are being, you know, helmet to helmet or helmet to chest, anything above the torso, like while they're upright or it's a late, looks like a late hit. There's just so many parameters to this rule, and it's like really got to narrow down what exactly, what exactly you're looking for. And what constitutes as targeting, because it it changes the the scape of the whole game. Absolutely, and I I don't know. It, that was one of those. I'm I'm just like, what is he supposed to do? And you can tell he's going shoulder, like he's leaning in with his shoulder there. 
Um, I just don't know what these defenders are supposed to do in situations like this. Um, and, you know, I, McLean, he got on Twitter uh, later Saturday night and said, so what was I supposed to do? Just let mm-hmm. him score. And, you know, that, and, you know, even, you know, comedian Bill Burr, he was watching the game. You know, he commented on how Smoke Monday's his favorite college football name. And <laughs> he even asked, he was like, hey, guys, like, this targeting call, what are what exactly are you supposed to do in that situation? Like, you know, I can't, I mean, I'm, I'm biased, but at the same time, like, that, it just, it wasn't targeting. No. You know, if, if you're going to call that targeting, then I guess any defender that hits a player in that fashion short of the goal line, that's targeting as well. And you'd be calling it just about every game. Absolutely. I agree. Um, the best best performance for you from, from Auburn, who, who had the best individual performance in this game? I mean, it'd be easy to say Tank Bigsby. Um, Mm -hmm. but it absolutely hands down, you know, I think in this game, he should have been utilized more. Um, I don't remember exactly what his stat line was to finish the night. I know he finished with over 100 rushing yards. Uh, but I know at halftime, he only had eight carries and, you know, I get, you don't want to overrun them, but at the same time, like, Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter, Auburn's backfield, that's the strength of this offense. And um, I really do think he he played the best of just about anybody. And then another person that played well, too, uh, John uh, John Samuel Shanker, the tight end. Um, you know, Auburn hasn't really had an intermediate passing game up to this point. So to see them finally use, utilizing these tight ends is – a dream and he played great as well interesting um how did the did this go about how you expected do you come in expecting to win did most Auburn fans come in expecting to to win this game in happy valley or was this the kind of game the kind of result that you you thought going in well i would have liked for auburn to have won um I would say, you know, losing by eight on the road, that, you know, I don't believe in moral victories, but I think that speaks to how far this team has come, how much improved they are. Um, and so I, I'm not surprised. Uh, I didn't, you know, in some situations, like I did pick them to win in uh, my betting pool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not – at first, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was upset that we lost. There were a lot of things that could have been done differently to put us in the driver's seat to win. Um, but this is, you know, new staff, third game of the season. You're still going to have those growing pains. So, it, in reality, it was about as best as you could have expected. You know, there are a lot of learning moments. And they're very specific. Everybody can see what they were. Coaches can identify. And it just, it helps them. It's a good learning lesson. It's something to build off of and improve upon. The biggest storyline following this week, following this game is what? 
I mean, I'd say biggest storyline following this week is looking forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, next Saturday, Auburn versus LSU is going to be an 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time kickoff. Not this upcoming Saturday, because it, it, the following Saturday, correct? Right. Mm-hmm. Correct. So is Auburn off uh, this, this week? This upcoming Saturday, yes. Okay. Yes, double-checked and verified, going to a wedding. <laughs> just wanted to make sure I didn't have to have ESPN Plus going in my pocket. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is something I talk with the sports renaissance woman about. I don't know if a fall wedding is, is in the cards. I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's a tough thing. But Tennessee makes it easy some weeks where it's like, okay, I can just, uh, I don't know if I need to see Tennessee, Florida. I don't know if I need to, to plan around that. I don't know if I need Tennessee, Alabama in my, in my life. I don't need to organize my Saturday and my wedding plans for that. I don't know. Auburn, you have yeah. a little bit better, better choices and better options year over year. Yes. Yes. And if I had to, I mean, if I had to plan a fall wedding, it'd be like, okay, give me one of the two bye weekends. Mm. Do you, when you go to fall weddings, do you bring, bring your phone? Do you, are you watching college football on your phone throughout? Well, not throughout the ceremony, mm-hmm. um, but I am one of those people where during the reception, I'm, you know, checking up. Mm-hmm. The last fall wedding I went to, where there was football going on was 2019. It was Auburn versus LSU. Ooh. Uh, top top 10 matchup. So I was sweating the whole time. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, you know, I... Lost by a field goal, but um, that was a good game. And, you know, I was in South Carolina, so I was surrounded by a ton of South Carolina fans. And, um, you know, kind of had to fly under the radar like uh i've got a football game to check on Mm. finally somebody was like is it auburn lsu and i was like yes they're like do you have money on that and i was like no i'm an auburn fan they're like oh gotcha yeah i mean it's just uh it's part of it it's a very different thing in the south like this is not something in a lot of other parts of the country that people have to worry about but fall weddings in the south are are complicated um and another mm -hmm. Another crazy storyline from Auburn versus Penn State. So, you know, people down south that attend SEC schools, they like to dress up for those football games. Mm-hmm. You know, the girls love to wear, you know, designer dresses, cute outfits, dressed to the nines. The boys are all wearing polos, nice button downs. And somebody commented up at Penn State, they took a picture of Auburn fans and go why are all these men wearing polos (laughs) and i was like what do you mean why like y'all have to i mean y'all are gonna see for yourself Mm -hmm. you're coming down to auburn next september so you'll see it's a completely different environment in the sec than it is in the big ten not saying that they do it wrong Mm -hmm. they do it great very passionate it's just different down south it is different it's different everywhere you go even the game day atmosphere is different, like Neyland's atmosphere versus Athens versus Gainesville versus Tallahassee. I mean, there's just it, it, everywhere is different. Everywhere is different. Um, I don't know. My favorite. What is your favorite? Is Auburn your favorite? Or like for me, Tallahassee is still still number one. But that was young Chase. I don't know if I can handle Tallahassee in my 30s. I don't I don't think that's in my in my rate. I don't think I can wake up on Saturday morning and chugging Bacardi to to start my game oh. day. Well, you know, 
I grew up an Auburn fan. My dad uh, went to Auburn, graduated from Auburn. Um, so I grew up going to the game and, you know, went to school there, graduated from there. Um, so I'm going to be very biased and say Auburn is my favorite. Um, but, you know, me and a few people at work, we were talking about how present day game day atmosphere is kind of stressful. You know, you got to figure out the parking situation. Tailgating's expensive. It's, you know, all spread out. There's a lot of walking. It's, you can't park. You have to get a shuttle. And, um, you know, it's, I still love game day atmospheres. Um, but even, even if I'm not in the stadium, just being around friends and, you know, tailgating, watching it on the TV, I mean, you can't beat it. I just love football. I agree. I agree. Um, how do we keep up with your work and all your different social media handles, Shay? So you can mostly find me on Twitter at Shay Booski, uh, Booski with two Ys, um, S-H-E-A, kind of like the butter. Uh, other than that, you know, I'm on Facebook, on Instagram. All of that should be on my Twitter, I believe. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, go do that. Find me chilling on <laughs> love to chill on on the web love to surf and chill on the web that is that's that's the vibe shay thank you so much for making the time i greatly appreciate it we'll have to check back in again soon all right sounds good nicely done nephew Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.